It's time for Twig this week in Google. Aunt Pruitt is here. Well, he's actually not here. I sent him home. But <laughs> he'll be on the show. Glenn Fleischman's filling in for Jeff Jarvis. Jeff has the week off, but we have a big announcement from Jeff. We'll also talk about victory in Britain for Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp and Apple Messages. We'll also talk about the end of the line for the Bored Apes Yacht Club. It's all coming up next on Twig. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twig. This is Twig. This Week in Google, episode 732, recorded Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. Unidentified Flying Skellington. This episode of This Week in Google is brought to you by Fastmail. Reclaim your privacy, boost productivity, and make email yours with Fastmail. Try it now free for 30 days at fastmail.com slash twit. And by Melissa. More than 10,000 clients worldwide rely on Melissa for full-spectrum data quality and ID verification software. Make sure your customer contact data is up-to-date. Get started today with 1,000 records cleaned for free at melissa.com slash twit. It's time for Twig. This week in Google, the show where we cover the latest news from Google and everywhere else in the world. It's really, you know, I'll be fair. It's the Internet show, the show we cover the uh, the world out there. Jeff Jarvis has the week off. I will tell you why in a moment. But joining us in Jeff's place, the wonderful Glenn Fleischman from Glenn.Fun. Hi, Glenn. Ooh. Hello, hello. How's everybody? I am wonderful. Uh, and I, I appreciate your patience. We're starting a little late because I threw Ann out of the studio. Aunt Pruitt's also here, <laughs> our, uh, our community <laughs> manager at uh, Discord. And, and he, he said, I have a scratchy throat. And I said, goodbye. Goodbye, yep. because I am going to be uh, leaving on Sunday to go move my mom into a uh, assisted living facility. I didn't want to bring any germs back with me. But Ann has officially that. approved the we are good to go. <laughs> Fancy Ann. <laughs> That's so good, Joe. <laughs> Joe Esposito and our club twit makes stickers uh, as we proceed. It's kind of a new thing. I don't, you know, you've I've seen... Uh, Tom Merritt does this with his uh, daily tech news show. Sometimes he'll have Len Peralta sketch a cartoon yeah, yeah, as yeah. they're going. But I don't think there's anybody has stickers. <laughs> so Nobody's got stickers on the fly like this. Yeah, the this, king this of is, on the fly. Thank on, you, this Joe. Is on the fly. And, and, and sir, I got to tell you, when, when people ask me about This Week in Google, I tell them it's a show about big tech. So That's actually that probably works. accurate. It is big tech. And there is a lot of big tech news. We'll start, we'll go to England for the first story. Britain, well, I don't know if this is an optimistic headline or not. Wired magazine yeah. says Britain admits defeat in controversial fight to break encryption. You remember, we've been oh, talking about this for really? weeks. The online safety bill which, among other things, required plain text of all transmissions from all apps, including WhatsApp, Signal, Apple's messages. Uh, Signal and WhatsApp both said, you passed this bill, we're out of here. Uh, because it would essentially undermine end-to-end -end encryption. Government has admitted the spy clause in the online safety bill has been eliminated. The government has admitted that's because there is no technology that can do this without compromising 
users' privacy. WhatsApp it's is not eliminated, though. Not eliminated. Not enforced. This is the key point. Is it's still in the law, but they're claiming they're not going to enforce it because they gave up and they don't. I mean, this is an ongoing thing, right? Is people in government who are not well informed believe there's a magic golden key that technologists are hiding from them that would let them have their cake and eat it too. Either that, or they pretend that they think that exists, and they they said, you know, Uncle. Uh, but it's it's still in the law. There's a lot of people on the privacy and security side saying, uh, great that they're not enforcing this, but until it's actually the legislation would be revised and it was removed, it's an ongoing threat that could be reinvoked at any point. And the UK could try to pull something out of its you know back pocket and push it. When it uh, comes to encryption in our government agencies, sort of acting like they're totally against it, is it only because of they feel like it's a way of helping to catch law uh people breaking the law yeah. before it really happens as usual thing, you know they're bringing um, up csam in this context saying well right. how are we supposed to know if people are trading child sexual abuse material if we can't see every gosh darn message although it turns out that a lot of the people engaged in csam turn out to be incredible as one might not be surprised by turn out to be incredibly bad at security and you keep reading these stories every few months is a story that comes out uh there was one just several months ago i remember where Nobody involved was taking, thank God, thank goodness. I mean, this is a positive. Nobody involved was doing even the basics of any kind of information hygiene or security. So oh international law enforcement tracked them down and arrested dozens of people. It was easy to convict them. I mean, that's what the, the idea is that uh, being able to snoop on encrypted communications that people think is private would somehow replace good police work when in the end it's almost always good police work that actually yeah produces a result in these kinds of cases. And that's an interesting thing to keep in mind when you hear about these stories, because we were talking about this yesterday, because Apple is, is in the news with this subject as well. Uh, and Alex Lindsay asserted, and he might be right, that whenever you hear anybody, England, Australia, anybody in the five eyes asking for this, it isn't really about child sexual abuse material. It isn't even really about terrorism. Those are the two paper tigers, the straw men that they raise. It's mm -hmm. the American NSA pushing them because law enforcement in America, especially the National Security Administration, does not like it that they can't see everything. You know, the NSA has this big facility yeah. where they're, they've been collecting all the electronic transmissions all along for the last decade and storing it. And for two reasons. One, someday they hope, maybe with quantum encryption technology, they'd be able to break it. Uh, and, and two, frankly, the metadata is extremely valuable as well. And so they don't, this is that whole thing of going dark. And I remember talking to Phil Zimmerman of uh, PGP fame oh, yeah. about this. And he said, it's not an issue of going dark. He said, law enforcement, thanks to digital technology, has a beautiful 4K view of all the things that are going on, there are a couple of dark pixels, and it offends them. <laughs> they have a couple of dark <laughs> that's pixels. And, yeah, and, and that's really more, that's a much better analogy. It's not going dark. They have more information than ever before. Yeah, because most of what they're doing is connecting people. They have to connect the dots, and the encrypted information, the stuff that they can't get at, it may be 
helpful to them to build a case or to find more participants. But here's the thing. I remember years, years ago, my friend Steve Manis was laughing about digital rights management on books because he said, in order to read a book, you have to be able to look at the works, the words. So no matter what kind of DRM they put on a book in any device, if you can read it, you can scan it. If you can scan it, you can OCR it. The and so, analog mm-hmm. hole, we call that. Right. The analog hole. And it's like, if I can look at something. So the hole to all encrypted communications is that people view it. And now while I would also prefer that governments release information about exploits that could affect people on a massive scale, which is a whole other debate. So instead of exploiting them, they actually patch them to improve all citizens' security. I also see that governments make use of exploits. They put in key loggers. They do all kinds of surveillance and other things that are that are legal or legal within certain countries, things that we might agree have a valid purpose. And when they do that, they can look at the unencrypted stuff when it comes in or they can grab the keys off that person's machine. They have so many tools at their disposal. Uh, it's the notion that there are secrets that will, you know, essentially prevent the worst people in the world from ever being found. The whole, you know, terrorists with a bomb example, there's never been a case in which you could actually extract that encryption of a kind that would be covered by one of these laws and that could be uh, retrieved would have prevented an incident. That's not how it works. It's human intelligence is the key. People is have to move anything, around and do things. Is there anything governments can do that will uh, allow its citizens to, to 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 trust them ever again. There's a very deep question. Great question. Yeah, I mean, if we think back over these several decades and, and how we used to trust right, the I'll FBI, speak, remember? I was going to say I'm going to speak for myself here. I'm not speaking for any of you, but I'll speak for myself. There's times I think back over several decades of things that I have learned and and sort of just. Uh, said, you know what, they're, they're trying to take care of little old Aunt Pruitt and his family, and they're doing what's in the best interest of Aunt Pruitt and his family. And then I look back and it's like, no, nah, not really. This was more about them and, and taking care of them, and they could give a crap about me, so why should I trust them? Is there anything they can do for people like me and everybody else to, to, to get that trust back? Isn't it transparency? Isn't it being more open about the kinds of things they're doing and admitting when they're wrong? Because, I mean, I have that same reaction as there's, you know, the 9-11 was a terrible, uh, terrible thing, but it was also a huge failure of the FBI and other uh, federal and international law enforcement groups to ignore signals. But it also showed we've been so lucky in the United States and many countries have been generally fairly lucky because we have had authorities like the FBI that have prevented uh, it, broken up terrorist networks, tracked them down. We've seen a lot of mm-hmm. stuff since. So, you know, they it's there's this thing about like when you look at local police, the clearance rate on crimes, like the actual number of crimes small, solved is relatively small, kind of disheartening right. when you look at right. it. But right. when you look at sort of the international picture, it's like, what is the FBI doing? It's finding white supremacists who are making bombs. It's finding plots against governors. Mm-hmm. It's finding, you know, eco-terrorists who, who planned to release a poison or something to, you know, cut down or burn a tree uh here in seattle we had um, a vital uh botanical resource was almost fully destroyed because of ecoterrorism's concern about fast growing trees so you know when they when they can track down and prevent things like that you're like all right that feels aligned with my interests like that mm-hmm. feels reducing terror reducing mm-hmm. the impact on especially vulnerable people or, or things like that so i, don't I know. think I feel like that's the the eye-opener the ant that you've experienced i think everybody now is kind of having that experience and mm-hmm. 
and I think it's, and honestly, I think it's always been that way because government is made of people and people are kind of unreliable in, in this regard. I mean, this is true. I think as individuals, there are great law enforcement people who respect us and our rights and want to protect us. That's why they got into law enforcement. But mm-hmm. I think uh, there are also bad apples. We know that. But I think also as institutions, right. there becomes an institutional pressure in the in the direction of let's complete our mission at uh, the cost of everything else. That and this is I've, I've been really thinking about this. I've mentioned this a bunch of times. I've been reading a book about Robert Moses, uh, LBJ. The same biographer's done a great series on LBJ, which I read. When I get time, I want to read. That it's book really good because the fundamental times. question is: Do the ends ever justify the means? And this is my mm-hmm. point: is that these institutions are looking at the ends. We want to keep people safe. We want to end child pornography, child abuse, trafficking terrorism. These are all great ends. Mm-hmm. Our constitution directly addresses this saying in pursuit of those ends, you may not do some of the things that you might want to do, like unreasonable search and seizure or cruel and unusual punishment, yeah. both of which would work very well to achieving those ends. Nevertheless, despite the fact that the constitution prohibits it, there's such institutional pressure from every institution, including Congress, to achieve these ends, and the problem is that they're willing to compromise the means. And this is where we really get in trouble. And I think this has happened from time immemorial, that 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 people yeah. get focused on the goal. So I'm, I'm giving them credit. I'm honoring them saying, yeah, I know, you're trying to protect us. And this is where I a little bit disagree with you, Glenn, because I, I don't think that they're dumb about the fact that there's no encryption technology that will do both things, protect our privacy and reveal the terrorists and the child pornographers. I don't think they're dumb about that. Uh, I think that they know that those things don't exist. They're just willing to give up privacy to achieve these ends. And I don't think they're doing it out of a, I'm giving them a lot of credit, but I don't think they're doing it out of a bad spirit. I think they really want to do a good thing, but, but they just kind of lose sight of the fact that there's a, such a huge compromise there. We can't go down that road. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely, I agree with you. I think it's both sides. I think there are, you hear stories about, you know, technologists going behind closed doors and talking to uh, politicians. They know. Politicians we tell them just, over and over but, and over again. Yeah, but they don't believe it. They're like, come on, there's got to be a way. There's a way to do everything. And they simply won't believe it. Then, And I think that's some percentage really just think, I mean, look at the um, distrust of experts. Um, I, I, oh, but I'm sorry, but I also agree with you. I think there are definitely There's both, there are different aspects of yeah. this. But but think about the distrust of experts. If you're somebody who's not trained in computer science, haven't been a programmer, haven't worked in you know math, cryptography, and someone says, no, there's no way to do this. And you're like, look, I know that you can tap phone calls. Why can't you tap an IM chat? You're just telling me it can't be done because you don't want to do it. And I'm going to keep asking until I find someone who does. You definitely no, that's going on too. But the mm-hmm. the UK situation to me seems like weirdly the first time that it, the the only success there is it seemed like they were going to go through this no matter what they were going to impose this and it was going to be a a, a problem. And then what happened? It seems like um, somebody blinked. I mean, even if it's I don't 
you know, it's still in law. It could still be enforced later, whatever. They said, we're not going to enforce it. And that is a big concession after all the effort put into it. There's also, an, and I think this is appropriate for your situation. As a black man, it's reasonable for you to say they're, they're really not working in our interest. Uh, you know, it's easier right. for a white member of Congress a white male member of Congress to say, well, I don't worry. I'm not worried about my privacy. <laughs> right. uh, but right. if you're an underclass or uh, if you're, uh, you know, discriminated against, you're the first people who are going to get hurt by this. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's the other side of it is Congress. And, and, and this is Parliament, too, in the U.K., may say, well, it's going to be fine. Don't worry. Our privacy will be fine. And theirs probably will. And. And this was brought to my attention because I've always said, oh, come on, privacy. Don't there's no such thing. Why worry about it? People pointed out that's a privileged point of view. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> so there's a great piece I recommend from Benedict Evans. He published this last week. When tech says no, Benedict is a smart guy. I think he used to work at Apple. He uh, or maybe Microsoft. He's been in the tech industry for a long time. He's an analyst now. The tech industry always has a reason why any new laws or regulations are bad. Indeed, so does any industry. They always say that. It's bad. You don't want this. The trouble is, sometimes it's true, and some laws are or would be disasters. So which is it? So he talks about the th when an engineer says no, there's three reasons they say no. And he's talking specifically about this UK Investigatory Powers Act. Uh, he says, first, and this is the default, they're saying no because they just don't like it. <laughs> Apple, yeah. Signal, WhatsApp. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's too much trouble. We don't want to do it. No. They Human have their nature own. right there. Right. No. <laughs> they have their, and I think a lot of times we're aware of that. And so we might think, well, they're just saying, and the Congress critters might say that too. Yeah, they're just saying no because that's their default. They have their own opinion of how this should be done. They don't want outsiders making them change it. Um, Apple, remember, said about uh, being forced to use Type-C charging on their next iPhone. We just don't want government to tell us what technologies to use. That's a bad policy, right? So that's an example. The second reason Ed Evans goes on, uh, the tech industry or the doctors or the farmers might be saying no is because this really will have some very serious negative consequences that you, Mr. Parliamentarian, haven't understood. Uh, and he uses as an example this horrific law we passed in California, AB5, oh. which put freelancers Terrible. at it basically ended the whole the, the, the intent was good. They wanted to protect Uber and Lyft drivers so they get health insurance. But it ended up basically right. making freelance work. And Aunt, you know this because you lost oh, yeah. your job because of it. You lost a lot of money. Was this not was happy also, about that, bro. Do you remember <laughs> the this California state legislator who was behind it, who is an uh, incredibly strong pro-union voice and in the union aspect of things was terrific. And I'm not a Californian. I know, only know this by hearsay. She on Twitter was such a rabid, nasty person. Oh, she was terrible. People, would, people brought up valid concerns. I mean, she's the example she of the politician listen. who says, you're, you're just making this up. Yep. You're trying to protect something. Yeah. You're trying to block unions, whatever. The good news is the failure of AB5, there was a similar law trying to be passed in New Jersey around the same time. And the testimony there partly looking at California destroyed it. I wrote my Washington state, uh, one of my, my Senator from my district because a law was being considered to like be talked about. It went nowhere. So fortunately 
AB5's implosion save the rest of us in other states. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And sorry. And sorry. Mm -hmm. Good God. Well, and this, yeah. and this may be the process, right? Is that we, I mean, nothing, it's not a straight line. The, right. what is, what did Martin Luther King say? The arc of, of the world bends towards justice, but it doesn't get there right away. Right away. Right. It's an arc. It's not a straight line. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. So there's the, so there's the first two. One, we don't want to do it. Two, uh, it's a bad idea. But three, and this is the one I think applies to the UK Investigatory Powers Act, we can't do it. We actually yeah, yeah. cannot do it. And he says, Benedict Evans writes, the perennial example here, of course, is encryption. For the last 25 years, engineers have said, we can make it secure or we can let law enforcement have access. But that means the Chinese can get in too. And politicians say, no, make it secure, but not for people we like. <laughs> You know, coincidentally, you may have covered this. Thank you. Yeah, that's all we asked. You may have covered the story in the last few days. Uh, forgive me if you have, but the Apple releasing that extensive reply about CSAM mm. scanning uh, a few days ago, yeah. which was almost unheard of them to release a statement like that. I mean, was their reply to an organization that has valid concerns the with, Federation, with Apple? Yeah. But yeah, but which, and I, you know, I, I have, I mean, there's, whenever you bring up CSAM, it's like, what can you be but sympathetic and appalled? So of right. course, but Apple's response was exactly the right tone and just days before this UK thing. And you think when the largest company in the world, I think as we speak, uh, says we cannot do this technological thing that we actually said we were going to do. And we dropped our plans because of it. It really sucks a lot of air out of the room. Steve Gibson uh, talked about it yesterday on Security Now. Uh, it, Wired had the story, and they had both the letter from Sarah Gardner at Heat Initiative and the response uh, from Apple's uh, director of um, Eric Neuenschwander, director of user privacy and child safety. And the key sentence in that long letter from Apple, we concluded it was not practically possible, not practically possible to implement without ultimately imperiling the security and privacy of our users. And remember, Apple proposed this two years ago and dropped it. Well, it but get really, ready because the, yeah. the heat initiative spends is spending two million dollars and they uh, they are putting up websites. Here's their heat initiative website that is going to it's just as bad as the. A Sarah McLaughlin dogs are dying ad, right? Uh, oh, these poor children. And it's it, right Apple, aimed at Apple. Child sexual abuse is stored on iCloud. Apple allows it. No. And Apple pointed out validly in that letter, I believe the, the Heat Initiative did some conflation, is that uh, CSAM scanning is typically, it doesn't identify new instances of abuse. And we've already, we've also seen Google is also the cautionary example too, by the way, is Google has had these well-publicized incidents in which it's CSAM or CSAM uh, monitoring system, its identification and, and reporting system has had some terrible abuses where people have, you know, the, the, uh, father or mother posting a picture of their child accidentally going into their cloud, uh, Google Cloud photos. Uh, yeah, he lost his Google, Google account. We reported on this. He Be lost completely yeah, yeah, lost Because his they were, a doctor right. said, send me a yeah. picture. Even though law enforcement cleared him. Right. Google just yeah. was and not responsive. 
So we've seen the abuses that can happen. You need an appeals process even when it's in use. But the the fact is the the database, uh, I've forgotten the name of the database that... Uh, it's the NICMIC that, database, the National Center yeah, for Missing so, and Exploited Children. And so it is, is it a, is uh, hashes of known right. CSAM material. But you're right. It's only what they've seen and only known. It only covers what's out there already. It's it's re-victimization of people right. and it's just as bad. But And also uh, I think this a, is disingenuous. Yeah. I don't know what the HEAT Initiative's goal is here. But Apple does, in fact, remove CSAM from iCloud. In fact, they have some case studies of people getting arrested for CSAM on iCloud. Well, how do you yeah. think that guy got arrested for CSAM on iCloud? Uh, mm -hmm. Apple reported him and Facebook reports him. What Apple was proposing was not that. Apple was proposing something that would scan images on your device before they were uploaded. And Apple's reasonable conclusion was it's a slippery slope. Yeah, we could do this using the NCMEC database for CSAM, but then governments like Saudi Arabia can come to us and say, if you have any, you know what else is CSAM? Pictures of men kissing. Or uh, uh, right, or right. China can come to Apple and say, you know what else is CSAM? Pictures of Winnie the Pooh. And, and Apple will now be in the position of saying, yeah, we have this technology. We have to follow the local laws. And now all of a sudden, a lot of gay men in, in Saudi Arabia and dissidents in China are going to jail. Or worse. Yeah, who was just uh, who was just sentenced to death for for tweeting that someone like ten people saw it or something? It just you know this is this is what Apple's fighting against. And but but of course, I mean, I'm glad the dialogue's happening because it's very hard to say we should do less to protect the victimization of children because we're not saying that and Apple's at all not saying that no, no one's saying that it's it, but it, it's always phrased that it's the when did you stop beating your wife question it's like right. that is not how you frame it it's the it's the what can we do to protect children without violating you know in the point zero 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 one percent of images that relate to the victimization of children and abuse of children here's a question how do we protect the other 99.99999 percent of images and people out there do does law enforcement have sufficient tools and laws to get the job done now? Are they really hobbled by these technologies? I don't see reports by when I when I read about uh, child pornography rings or CSAM rings being shut down or people investigated or um, you know you read the latest thing about uh, uh, occasionally a technology journalist being discovered with CSAM material. Uh, it's, I never see in those stories, and this may be either the way the coverage is or, or how the organizations, uh, want to fight it. They never say, well, if we had more, we could find more people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's usually, it's, you know, sometimes there's hundreds of, of, of police and other law enforcement officers, sometimes around the world working on these cases diligently with, with what seems to be a fairly high level of support sometimes for years. And um, maybe there's a, a thousands and thousands of cases that are being ignored, but it's, you know, this is typically the same thing with, with sexual assault of adults uh, is that the issue is often not resources, but it's finding people who care. And that doesn't get changed if you uh, break through encryption or not. It doesn't get changed if you give more money. Um, you have to be able to have people who actually actively want to investigate it. I was just going to circle back to what you said previously. It just boils down to effort and good old-fashioned police work. Uh, we have tools in place, and uh, it takes a certain level of effort to make the most of the tools that you have in place. Did you see that whole thing where, uh, was it not in Croatia? I read this great story about how um, some law enforcement folks seeded an encrypted phone system that was actually completely controlled by them. Oh, yeah, it was the, yeah that was us. 
Yeah. Was, yeah. And it was fantastic. I was like, that's good. I'm like, give those give those folks involved in that all the kudos and there's no indication that couldn't be used again it's not like the come and pick up your free football tickets and everyone gets arrested a bit it's like you never know what's an encryption protocols and Although i do i do think that will still work today <laughs> <laughs> well because that. crooks are dumb i, rem- I remember right. going to the secret service years ago patrick norton and i uh, talked to some secret service uh, agents in dc oh. and uh they said, you know, sure, it'd be nice if we could force you to give us your password, but usually we don't have to. Crooks will just give it. To, we just yeah. ask them and they give it to us. They, so this was this was a great story. The FBI, this happened a couple of years ago, uh, created a super secret encrypted phone system. And then they, they used one of their informants who was a well-known drug dealer to recommend it. And uh, got ev- all these drugs into it was called an ANOM, A N O M. They got all these criminal groups to promote it. Oh, you got you got to use ANOM. It's really good. And and of course, law enforcement, the FBI, and world law enforcement, including Italian organized crime and outlaw motorcycle gangs and drug trafficking organizations, all were infiltrated all over the world. Operation Trojan Shield. Uh, because the crooks go, oh yeah, this is good stuff, and the end of the FBI and Interpol had complete access to it the whole time. It's hysterical. That's great. That's good police yes. work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I like more of that. More well, of that. I just, I just think it is. It's a people problem, right? As people meet face to face, they, uh, you know, usually people are taken down because they talk in an unencrypted phone call. They, uh, they. Meet Every hacker gets busted because he ends up boasting about it, right? Yeah, or they spend right. they yeah. spend yeah. money right. in the wrong place. Like it's just, I think, with the vast, vast amount of ability to track. I, I mean, I would love a counterexample, but the, they'll never tell us. Is like, when did someone not get caught? Because well, we, don't get into <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. know. So they want to tell us. Trust us. The great thing right. we want to hear from anybody is trust us. There's a thing we can't tell you any details about that proves the case we're making. I'm like, it's hard to. I think we're just. Going back to Benedict Evans, we're just saying excuse number three. You can't do it without giving a backdoor to bad guys. And that's a bad policy. So I know it would be wonderful if we could catch every one of these horrific predators, if we could stop every terrorist act, if we could make sure that every jaywalker was put in prison and stayed in prison. But Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. The train went off the rails. <laughs> but uh, we can't do it without compromising our own privacy and safety. And that's important. And that's why the Constitution has the Fourth Amendment and the Fifth Amendment. And, the, and, 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 and it, you know, it's 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 now England doesn't have our Constitution, but it's it's I think it's in their common law as well. The, the, the principle that, you know, there should be some limits on what law enforcement can do. Yes, we want to eliminate crime, but only to the point where we're safer, not to the point where we're less safe. You just throw us all in jail and there'd be no crime. <laughs> some, you know? some people say we already are. <laughs> uh, we should talk about that Twitter story because it's really pretty awful. Saudi Arabia had agents working at Twitter telling the Saudi Arabian government what dissidents were posting uh, on Twitter. Uh, apparently, there's some evidence Jack Dorsey and the Twitter management knew about these three Saudi agents. Uh, 
eventually they admitted that and they got rid of him. They fired him. But who's the after Elon Musk, who's the number two investor in Twitter? Owns yeah. billions of dollars of Twitter. It's the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund, MBS. Ooh. There's a reason Saudi Arabia put more than a billion dollars into Twitter. Right? Wow. And incidentally, uh, a Saudi citizen has just been convicted of uh, and given the death sentence because of tweets against MBS and the Saudi king. Uh, Mohammed Al-Ghamdi, he's 54. He was accused of having two accounts, two accounts on Twitter with a total of 10 followers. Uh, nevertheless, it was enough to... The death sentence... All right, I want to take a break. Uh, we'll talk about nice, happy things. Oh, that's yeah, that's that was. Tough. Isn't that that's sad, hard, bro? It's sad. That one's, I know it's terrible. It's terrible because it's you know, it. I think, but it's a. Uh, it highlights. Uh, I honestly think still, Elon's completely cooperating with them, and I and I. There's a lot of evidence that uh, Jack Dorsey did as well. Yeah, well, Elon wants to be in some of the worst markets in the world, either right. because uh, you know he wants to sell product in there or he wants to raise money from them right uh let's take a little break we we have a great show i'll explain while jeff why jeff's not here in just uh, a little bit but first i want to thank uh glenn fleischman it's always a pleasure to have you on glenn i appreciate it the pleasure to be on thank glenn you dot fun you can read his writing on the six colors and other places um what else? Not, are you? not six colors. I don't. I, oh, I've don't? written for them in the Mac past, World. But, Who do you uh, write no, for? Mac Mac World. You find mostly at Mac World. And also, and, uh, you do the. You've done a number of those uh, little books that uh, tell take you control books. Take control. Yeah, I'm doing all the revision. We got Apple's coming out with uh, all the revisions, so I'm taking new screen captures and finding all the little weird things in the in the in the next release of of iOS and uh, macOS. I'll be able to do this and a thumb up, thumbs up will pair on my Zoom screen or this and it'll be like... That's uh, a little weird. I don't, I'm not sure I want that. I don't, I don't yeah, know if I want to turn that. that. Turn that off. But, uh, <laughs> so no, take control of like, iOS 17 and yeah, take, take control, control of macOS Sonoma coming soon. Coming soon. Got all nice. kinds of books in that series. Takecontrolbooks.com. Love those Take Control books. Also, Shift Happens is any day now, right? Yeah, it's been uh, printed. We spent some very hot weeks, or actually days, been about 100 hours on press back in July. Had a great time. And um, it's weird because I, I forget if I, if I already told this story previously, stop me, but I came back. My wife said, uh, so it's all printed, right? And I was like, oh, my God, it is printed. Yeah, it is printed because we were there. You know, you're so attuned to what's going on, like 300,000 sheets. They're printed. And so now they have now to be the, bound. Yeah, the, we just, we did a, I got up at, uh, this is my joke, because I got up at 7 a.m. the other morning to FaceTime with a book, which was the, our printers in Maine. It's such a huge project. There's a firm in Massachusetts that is doing all the bindings. It's just, a, it's 12,000 volumes. Because volumes. It's, it's two, uh, uh oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, let me... Something happened. Your wife just me? turned on the uh, echo. That was, no, that was of my me. Side. Was that oh, you? No. That was it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about it's, that. So it's 12,000 hardcover volumes, 6,000 sets. And uh, Jeez, anyway, each 1,200 so, pages. So yeah, so there were 600 if pages If I'm not each, wrong, so that's 144 million pages. 
No, I don't know. It's <laughs> crazy. So the binder said, uh, it, our printer said, you know, we're going to drive down and look at the first book that comes off nice. the production line from the binder. Do you want to see it? We said, sure. So uh, Marching's in Chicago. He's in the same time zone. Me, I get up, get a cup of coffee, turn FaceTime on, and they're rotating a book. You know, here's what it looks like. Any problem? So we said, yeah, this is great. But all the books have been sewn together. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're gluing oh, the covers on. Sewn signatures. This is not yeah, some a, cheap oh, production. This There's is a lot fancy. of glue and, but yeah, it's kind of, you know, usually you back a Kickstarter campaign, you're like, eh, you know, even the best ones, there's things that can come up. It's like, this is, we're so close. We can taste it. And it's still knock. I'm finding wood to knock. It's on schedule. It's on schedule to ship. Next. Shift happens dot site. Uh, is it, is it too late to order? I think there's not too late. Copies stole some left. But not many, so don't delay. No, we had to we had to pick a number. We couldn't pit, print an endless number. Right. We're never going back up press again at this writing. And uh, you said you're starting work on another book. Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of interest, as you know, in printing history, and I've combined it with an interest in comics history. And so I've got a new project called "How Comics Were Made." At how comics were made dot ink i n k oh clever right i didn't know um, you could get that wow uh, maybe it's for tattoos but i got it for this so uh it's i'm starting uh i i basically brought the site up to start talking to people about it i've been interviewing a cartoonists uh, i've got a you know a preliminary cover hired a designer oh, you're the guy uh, to write this that's fantastic it's gonna be fun so it's all about all of the materials of like how did artists work get from their hands through to the printed page. And I've got so much wonderful material and access to some. I, I've already interviewed uh, Lynn Johnston, who's the cartoonist, the Canadian cartoonist behind For Better, For Worse, that ran oh, yeah. for uh, oh, like yeah. 40 years. Lovely person. She got on the phone with me. I've been talking to comics historian, been emailing with Gary Trudeau. I mean, this is, I'm trying You've to. You've been emailing all, with Gary Trudeau? Sure. <gasps> this, look, I, wow. I, you say, this is the interesting part. Nobody has ever told this particular weird aspect story so when i write a cartoonist and i say can i talk to you about this really strange thing and here's some photos they're like yeah i'd love to talk about how i colored cartoons or what ink i used or or um lynn johnston uh, her first husband was a uh uh, a rural dentist um like he flew he they like lived they moved to northern canada and he would fly around to do dental work up in the in the you know northern territories and so she's like we got in the plane and we flew to buffalo where most of the comics were sections were printed uh for a number of papers and she met with the the folks who did the color including this fellow who died young who was instrumental i've got his story to tell um you know so why they're glad to talk to you? Because you're not asking them about the process or the comments no. or the jokes. You're asking about how they physically were made. And, yeah, what and you, you know, we're talking about inks and yeah, pens. And I bet they love this. That's great. It's different. It's different. You Did know, you read the the, um, the article about uh, Bill Waterston and the American Conservative about why he gave up? I'm not sure. Is it recent or was yeah, it back just came in the out? Day? Yeah. Oh no, I don't know about Waterston that. has I mean, a new I, book that's coming out. That's why I knew about that. It's uh. The American Conservative. No, I'm, have to read I'm hoping to get in touch with him because, um, you know, he had, he put so much effort into the, I mean, he's such a great artist, such a great writer, and so intricately involved in the craft. I want to talk to him about the craft, like how he saw his work go to fruition. The book is really about that realization of, vis of vision, but it's, I take my weird materials like flongs and printing plates and whatever, those tell a beautiful story that's like, you know, because we, we think about that. The cartoonists are working at a board. 
you get a newspaper, there's so many people and processes involved, and then it's all changed. Uh, you know, the newer cartoonists, uh, there's a, a woman, for instance, who does um, a Breaking Cat News fun strip, and she just works in watercolor, and they do color separations. But 20 years ago, people were still marking numbers in every color, and somebody <laughs> in, a, in a studio at the engravers was using Photoshop to fill in the colors, like paint by number, because that's what had been done in the metal days. And it was only really in the, between 1990 and like 2000 ish that they transitioned out of that kind of paint by numbers thing in the digital era to, you know, this normal, like just you scan it and you color separate it. Anyway, it's just, I'm, I keep finding wonderful material and wonderful people and I'm just so excited. So, so the book's not going to go to Kickstarter until February, but I, I kind of unleashed what I've got now to start getting people to sign up to announcement list and then to just put the word out. <laughs> Already, That's Joe it. Esposito has made all a sticker flung, to to all, flung, all flongs all the time. All the time. <laughs> yes, but, so it'll it'll be fun, and it's you know this is my love of technology too. It doesn't matter if the technology is eighteen ninety five or yeah two thousand and ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, Aunt Pruitt, also great to have you. Thank you once again for allowing me to throw you out of the studio, so I don't get sick. <laughs> but I I I'm, I'm sure you're fine. I'm just being uh, I was just being paranoid. But we're always. Always want to have you. You're on. not being paranoid. You're being cautious. Yeah. You, you want to go see your it's, mother. It's because of my mom. You know, if, if it were just well, me, I'd that. say, uh, breathe on me, kiss me, lick me. I don't care. But, uh, you know, I don't no. want to get my mom sick. She's <laughs> 90. Not getting that close. Sir. No, 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 no. <laughs> what happens at the Twit Christmas party stays at the Twit Christmas uh, right. party. Yeah, right. Now, now you get it. Now you get it. <laughs> <laughs> Our show today brought to you by, ooh, I love it, Fast Mail. Look, I've said this so many times over the last 15 years. If email is important to you as an individual or even more important to you as a business, why are you using free email where you are not the customer, you are the product? You need Fast Mail. I switched to Fast Mail more than 10 years ago, and I am not looking back. I love it. Make email work for you. Not on you with fast mail. Uh, no, because you're paying them, admittedly, it's not free. As little as $3 a month. It's not expensive either. But because of that, you're the customer. They have real support people who will really help you. They have great service, great products, and no ads, no tracking, just email the way you need it. And one of the things I love about fast mail, they make it very easy to use your own domain name at Fastmail. In fact, I use Fastmail for the DNS for all, almost all of my, uh, my domain names, more than a dozen. That way I can receive email at those domain names. I'll give you, a, you know, one of them is Laporte.email. Well, I can make it be anything at Laporte.email. So every time I sign up for something new, it's Verizon at Laporte.email or Twitter at Laporte.email. That way each of them has a unique address. And actually, I don't use Laporte.email, so don't bad guys don't try to hack me. And that's another advantage. If you're using Bitwarden, our sponsor, or 1Password, you can use FastMail to generate unique email addresses every single site. Every time you create a new password, you create a new email address. That is a really nice feature. Uh, I, I just... I, I can go on and on. I probably will. You can use FastMail with any email client, whatever client you're using. Just install it uh, and run FastMail. It almost always will auto-configure. If not, FastMail's got all the information you need to make it work with Outlook or Thunderbird, Apple Mail. Whatever you use, 
I use a lot of weird email clients. They all work great with FastMail because FastMail is real IMAP. In fact, they use the open source Cyrus server and contribute back to it. They are leaders in email technology. They've been doing this for a long time. You can also use their web version. I know a lot of you, like if you're Gmail users, you like having your browser be your email client. FastMail has a much better, I think, web-based version. All sorts of nice features. Uh, colors, custom swipes, night mode, iOS and Android too. In fact, that's the app I use on iOS for my email is FastMail. It just It's great. The quick settings means it's easy to choose a new theme, to switch between light and dark mode, change my text size, all without leaving the email screen. Quick settings is fantastic. Uh, the masked email addresses, you can auto-save contacts. I do that. In fact, the spam filtering on FastMail is the best I've ever used. And because you can use Civ, the Civ program, to customize it, it is the most powerful I've ever used. For instance, if I respond to somebody's email, they're automatically added to my contact list. And I have a rule that if somebody's sending me an email and they're in my contact list, they go to a special important folder because I know I know this person. Uh, it's a great way to not lose any email in the spam filters to keep track of everybody. Uh, I use filtering like crazy. You can uh, pop images of your senders from external services. They use Gravatar and others. That's fantastic. Set default reminders for events. Oh, did I mention? I also use FastMail for calendars as well as contacts as well as email. In fact, I replaced Google with all three. It syncs with every device. It's a fantastic CalDAV and CardDAV server. For over 20 years, FastMail has been a leader in email and email privacy because you're the customer not the product you gotta get fast mail i can go on and on in fact i often do <laughs> it's very easy to move over just reclaim your privacy boost your productivity with fast mail you can try it now free for 30 days at fastmail.com slash twit fast mail f-a-s-t-m-a-i-l.com slash twit I've been recommending them for more than a decade. I'm glad I finally got them to sponsor our show. Thank you, FastMail. I appreciate it. FastMail.com slash twit. You use FastMail too, Ant? I didn't know that. Yeah, the, the, the pricing. I think I pay like $5 a month. Yeah, it's three, I think there's three. That, I can't remember what it is. That, I've been uh, using them since I can't, most of the last, like for the last decade at least, and for most of the last 20 years yeah i've a long time yeah people in the I'm know happy to pay them yeah know that you've got to pay for email you can't use the free emails at hotmail or outlook or dot com or or gmail because you know you're just a product to them <laughs> you're not you're not mm -hmm. you're not the customer um yeah fast mail really is good every every real person like you smart geeks like you guys that I talk to says, oh yeah, FastMail, of course, everybody knows FastMail. Love it. They even help you set up the, uh, this is unsolicited, they help you set up your uh, your mail anti-spam records. They have a really neat little system. Somebody emailed me and said, oh, I'm a bug bounty person and I found your records aren't set up right and for this domain you have and uh, you should send me some money and I like wasn't, they weren't trying to shake me down and I looked and went to FastMail. I was like, nope, it all checks out. It's all good. I don't, I don't know what yeah, they'll the even, person's <laughs> clearly created some kind of automated engine to see if anyone exactly. will Exactly. I get that. I get that email all the time. Yeah, these are, so great. I can, I can, uh, let's, let's pick, um, uh, I don't know. I'll use, uh, I don't want to give away my super secret. Here we go. Here's my, uh, here's one of the many domains I have registered there. LeoLaporte.com. It says your domain is correctly set up to send and receive email. Uh, but more importantly, it's set up to support all the email security features like DKIM and uh, 
S what is it? SP SPF. SPF. I yeah. Think, yeah. These are uh, these are really fantastic. I email email is the worst thing on the internet. The fact that it still works that you can still email uh over at a, a company I do freelance work for that I will not be named. They somehow got blacklisted by uh Oh, that's bad. Gmail if you get in one of those black holes, that's terrible. For no good reason and there's nobody you can talk to. And it was an entire no. corporation oh. uh, of which the group I was running for is a very small part and they were wrestling with it for I think it just finally broke the blockade but like the fact that i remember writing in the 90s i was writing articles about email is going to become balkanized and servers will not accept email from other servers yeah. and it'll wind up being all these fiefdoms of email and gmail is among the happened, worst of those gmail just, uh, rejects email and i understand why there's this huge amount of but, spam going through it but but it doesn't matter how many times if you're a gmail user you could email i could email aunt every day for the last 15 years and then he'll send a message to go into spam for some reason you're like why yeah <laughs> that's yeah the opposite right. of intelligence yeah. what's yeah. going on yeah <laughs> um, i'm sorry for emailing you every day for the last 15 years that's a whole, <laughs> whole other story oh yeah oh, yeah right. That's right. Right. so Je let's talk about jeff because people are wondering uh where's jeff jarvis actually i don't know where he is today i think he was tra did he say is he traveling? I can't remember. I can't remember where he said he was traveling. But it so was it's undisclosed. Traveling. It's probably a coincidence, but today on Medium, he posted, he's actually a story today. He posted, moving on, I'm leaving CUNY's Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at the end of this term. Can you play the Craig Newmark chorus Gotta play it. Gotta have it. one it's last fun. time? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Benito doesn't have it stacked. <laughs> I don't know how Craig's going to get his plugs, but uh, we'll find a way. Technically, he says I'm retiring, though if you know me, I know you know I will never retire. I'm looking at some things to do next, one of which, of course, is host our AI show with uh, Jason uh, Howell. Uh, yeah, we're we're doing it right now in the club, and we're going to emerge. It'll emerge at some point. Um, he has a great medium piece, though, about his 18 years at uh, CUNY, which is really remarkable. I mean, that's that's a long time, to, and a lot of students who got uh, Jeff as a journalism professor, and it's it's pretty impressive. He did a lot of great work there, um, and so uh, I know a little bit about what Jeff's going to be doing, but I guess I'm sworn to secrecy. Stay tuned, and I think he will be back next week, and so will Kathy Gellis, our favorite uh, Supreme Court admitted oh. lawyer, who will. I'm sure have some stuff to talk about in the new October court docket is coming up. Uh, in speaking of court in Australia, they've decided all not to force adult websites to to do age verification. <laughs> this is something many states in the U.S. have started to do. Yeah. In fact, a judge just uh, knocked down um, one of the states. Like it was it Texas? Was it Texas? Yeah. yeah. Judge strikes down porn age verification law in Texas saying it's a violation of the First Amendment. It's not even, you know, I'm not even particularly worried about that. It's just a ridiculous idea from this a privacy work. point of view. <laughs> yeah. What, I have to give you my government ID so I can watch porn? Oh, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah, to a private company, right? You don't give it to the government. A, you don't want to give it to the government. B, you want to give it to a porn company? Because they're very good at security, clearly. At, yeah. uh, <laughs> what was the breach? Wasn't there some huge... Uh, oh, yeah, all, all the time. Here? And actually, I, I, I kind of respect Pornhub, which is the biggest, 
because they have in states where this is a requirement and there are many of mm. them now i can't remember almost a dozen they just say okay fine we're going to turn the service off if you're in oh. you, you know and you're in um, whatever uh, i don't want to say the state if it's not the right state but uh, i i louisiana for instance i i think that's uh, i think that's a good thing just say well fine uh, if you're going to make us do that we're just not going to be there they can just tie it into TSA pre, right? You just have it be a... Oh, jeez. You know, if you can board without going through normal security, you can... Uh, <laughs> anyway, just a terrible, terrible idea in the first place in a, a Texas feder a federal judge in Texas, David Ezra, has said uh, it violates First Amendment free speech rights and it's too vague. Uh, it's constitutionally problematic because it deters adult access to... Le By the way, this is important. Legally legally explicit material far beyond the interest of protecting minors there's another example where they pass these laws and the intent is maybe good but the the actual impact of it is not so good the the, the means do not justify the end or the end does not justify the means uh, oh hey are you worried about ufos who isn't <laughs> is this an ad? Yeah, this should be an ad. Uh, the United States Department of Defense has launched a UFO site. Well, they call it the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, AARO. But if you go to aaro.mil, you'll see. Uh, so, oops, we're having trouble finding that site. Yeah, maybe oh I have God. to type the dub dub dub. It's an unidentified probably, anomaly. Isn't, that a, probably, uh, isn't yeah. that a Guys and Dolls song? The all domain anomaly, anomaly resolution office. <laughs> so type the dub, dub, dub. They haven't figured out how to do that yet, I guess. Bless uh, their heart. Bless their heart. Bless, bless their, heart. their heart. The best part is this UAP reporting trends. Fascinating. Isn't it? Uh, I don't think it really is revealing in any sense. Like, we don't know more about... Because, first of all, this doesn't mean aliens. They just reopened Project Blue Book. It just means a, stuff we don't know what the hell it was. Yeah. So, dating right. back to, they'll accept reports dating back to 1945. So, uh, typically reported okay. characteristics of unidentified aerial phenomenon, they're round. <laughs> That's what <where> it says <laughs> it. Morphology, round. Size, one to four meters. Color, white, silver, or translucent. They tend to hover around 20,000 feet. But it's, it's I thought they would be green, though, right? No, that's the men inside. Oh, okay. It's a All silver, right. round silver velocity, stationary to twice the speed of sound, Mach 2. Propulsion, no thermal exhaust detected. This is, I don't know what they even mean, typically reported UAP characteristics. Um, then they talk about... See round here, orb rounder sphere forty seven percent, vector tic tac tic tac one percent are tic tac shaped, polygon, square, rectangle, triangle, all kinds of shapes and sizes. <laughs> here's the altitudes. Dude. Here's so. So they said you said they're taking reports retroactively back to like nineteen forty. Well, the government has these in a file cabinet somewhere, right? Yeah, it says it says we'll accept. Uh, Reports for current or former U.S. government employees, service members, contractors with direct knowledge of U.S. government programs or activities related to UAP dating back to 1945. So they're saying if we weren't told before, you could tell us now, <laughs> although it's an end that the government can receive classified 
information from it from people. So that means like if you had classified information, we're told not to talk about it. You're apparently allowed to report it. If I'm I'm not a lawyer, oh. just what I'm reading in the footnote. Um, this is interesting. This is the heat map of uh, where these reports seem. They seem to be all uh, uh, kind of. There's almost like at the same latitude. Southeast United States, the hot spot right there. Uh, that looks like I don't know, maybe uh, Georgia. Georgia, that's your. That's <laughs> down there, just below South Kakalaki. Georgia and Kakalaki, baby. <laughs> sure they're not. Are they sure they're not spheroids? Brown spheroids about ten inches long. They just got hurled too high in the air. Hey, Is that- hey, <laughs> hey. Uh, Southern California, also uh, hot spot. SoCal. Uh, for some reason, the Middle East, Possible. the uh, the Fertile Crescent seems to be a hot spot. Beijing. And then China, yeah, Beijing. That's weird. That's really interesting. You don't say. Yeah, don't. <laughs> yeah, don't say. UAP. If you want to know more, www.aaro.mil, and you can submit right there on the page. There's a button for you. Make you feel better. Pretty good. <laughs> uh, education resources. Be up because they're going to get flooded with, with a lot of reports and information, I'm sure. Look at, there's the no, f- this is backed by the No Fear Act. No retaliation. the story uh, two years ago, the jetpack guy who was terrorizing planes around Yeah, LAX did they ever figure that, that out? Yeah, it was a it was a life size inflatable Jack Skellington. That was uh, it was a balloon. It just kept <laughs> flying around in the, the Nightmare Before Christmas. Before that Christmas, Jack Skellington from Tim, from Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before <laughs> Christmas. Yes, sir. That would be yes. Yes. Wait it was, a minute. It was, was a, pretty sure it was a Jack Skellington a balloon. balloon. Yep, it was like an inflatable. A single, it says this story from NBC. It could have been a single balloon that broke loose from a Halloween display, drifted to the sky. Um, <sighs> Yeah, because yep. this was all over L.A. We kept seeing, LA. we kept See? seeing these uh, reports from yeah. airplanes and others. Back, there was a guy looks, flying around my plane, looking at me. Months of investigation. Like the I team has uncovered images that may have cracked the case. Good evening. I'm look- Chuck Henry. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the uh, image. Yeah, it does look like a Jack Skellington. Isn't that hilarious. Yeah, I mean, there's certain shapes that are more aerodynamic, and they didn't design it to fly, but it's possible it just had the right lift it, that it did it, and it just it and it off. reached equilibrium. Yeah, it just kept drifting up and yeah. heating up of helium, heating up and cooling down. Wow, <laughs> I remember talking Make about this, this stuff up, man. Yeah, <laughs> I was working uh, on LA radio. We would, you know, well, there's another, been another sighting. Pirate pilot reports. In fact, I think we had audio, didn't we? Pilot reports yet another jetpack-like mystery object flying was, near LAX. I mean, it's got to be terrifying as a pilot because you're like, what the hell? And like, why is someone doing that? Yeah. And, uh, Three sightings uh, by pilots lined up to uh, land at LAX. But now once you yeah, see the picture. It was just all pranks. Um, you know, this isn't a, I think this is not advice. a I think this is it's not a prank, it just escaped. No, right? but this wasn't right. Errant yeah, balloon. This was yeah just... you see it flying around. Errant. <laughs> That's what I assume. So I assume all the anomalous uh readings are they're not pranks, but I mean they're you know, I would I would love I, I believe there is extraterrestrial life. I don't think we're the only life in the universe. I don't think anyone's come to visit. I don't think they're flying weird missions around. I don't think the I don't think physics allows it. So there has to be it's more uh, more likely there's another explanation that's just irritating like the chinese have developed some really great 
uh, thin material that yeah. has really bizarre reflective properties. Well, and I think I it's also way smarter and more intelligent than we are, and they're just staring at us on whatever radar technology they have, and like. They got the big screens, no big round view screen. Let's see what's going on on Earth. Um, yeah. Okay. Not Can I just travel? There may be life elsewhere in the universe, but it's uh-huh. a long effing way away. It ain't. Yeah. They, they're they not coming here any more than we're going there. Exactly. Here's the thing that would be incredibly cool is if it turned out that there were alien life forms that were intelligent or were able to build ships and come here, what they would teach us about physics if they dared, if they decided to, or we turned out it was true, it would be amazing. We'd overturn practically everything that's understood. Yeah. But I just think it's Occam's razor. What's the likelihood of that happening? It's very, very mm. low. <laughs> and as somebody um, pointed balloons- out, imagine a civilization that has this technological sophistication to create a, 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 sh- a spaceship that can cross the vast regions of space and it flies here successfully and then whoops crashes what is <laughs> what is the oh, likelihood crap, we can't get back <laughs> what is the likelihood <laughs> oh man we got so close and then we oh man crashed no I don't think so uh, and maybe here's uh, uh, another way that we can help people get over this belief. Ooh. Caltech, you've heard of them. <laughs> Good school. Uh, oh, I think God. 42 Nobel laureates teach there. It's a small school. It's hard to get into. I think only a few percentage points That's of uh, 2,400 students, 40% of them undergraduates, 3% admission rates. Very hard to get into. One of the reasons is Caltech requires... Calculus. Uh, you also have to have a certain level of physics and chemistry before you can get in as an admission to get into as a freshman. And unfortunately, in this modern age, uh, there are many things high schools are no longer teaching. Among them, calculus, physics, and chemistry. Oh, man. It's a bummer. Um, Caltech was absolutely firm. If you don't have these... You can't get in. More th- more than one-third of the nation's high schools do not offer calculus. Did you take calculus, Ann? Have you ever taken calculus? I did. Yeah. Totally useless, but well, I took it. But if you were, you know what? <laughs> if you had ended up as a rocket scientist, you would have used right. it. Right. That's the thing. Yeah. I am grateful that that my generation had the opportunity to even consider that because, you know, that opens up other doors. Um, I think there's another reason wise. to teach a higher level math because it also teaches you how to think. So you may yes. say, I'm Critical never freaking thinking, yeah. man. I'm never going to use calculus, but this, the process of learning it was a, what a skill you learned, you know? Yeah. Just, it, I, I said that about uh, algebra. And, I mean, now granted geometry is, I guess is that's a little bit more to use in the real world. Yeah, coders need all that. of that stuff. It, it teaches you how to, how to think. And the more I talk to a lot of the teenagers that I've come across, whether it's here or, or back in Carolina and a lot of kids, they just, don't think things through and it's right there in front of them. And it makes me wonder, well, what's going on in the classroom? And then I see stuff like this. Oh yeah. That's why. Glenn, did you, did you study a higher level math science? I went to, I went through trig and then I had other courses I wanted to take senior years. I never took calculus, went to college. was like, Oh, I'll take calculus. Now the only class I've ever had to withdraw from, I could not, it's hard. could not do it. It's friggin' hard. Super hard. Freshman year is a bad time. Freshman year at like nine in the morning is a bad time. to. Yeah, I did that too. I I took ancient Greek and I dropped that in the first six weeks. (laughs) I was like, no. Oh my God. uh, (laughs) Latin was easy. Yeah. 
It's no, I thought, but, what, the man of the world. <laughs> I had learned I in the uh, summer before going oh, to college, yeah. I learned alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta, yoda, kappa, lambda, mu, nu, xi, omicron, pi, rho, sigma, tau, omega. I learned the alphabet. I thought I'm going to be so ready. I'm going to ace it. And they move a mile a minute. You know, it's not uh, anthropos and thropu. You good? You go. And I said, I know this is not for me. I ended up. I ended up canceling most of my classes. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly. Anyway, good news. Caltech, in the name of equity, is changing their requirements. A groundbreaking step. They announced Thursday they're going to drop the admission requirements for calculus, physics, and chemistry for students. Now, you have to say, first of all, show that your high school didn't offer it. Mm -hmm. And you have to take an equivalent, which will include Khan Academy. Okay. I With love plus this. Plus a test. Okay. Yeah, plus yeah. you yeah. have to take a certification test. But it's fantastic. I love that they listened. And uh, because there are, I mean, the fact, you know, it's one thing the arts usually get cut first, right? But now they're cutting to the bone so many schools never offered it or cutting these higher level courses that people, kids want to take. And unless they're an area with, you know, my, my district in Seattle, they've got the courses that are being offered, thankfully at all the school, all the high schools, but also um, there's access to the a rich community college program here. So if a course isn't offered, the kids can do it either for credit or to get an advanced uh, to accelerate a course requirement, all of this. And so I got to imagine there's the places they must be so tapped out where there's just no resource for these kids at all. This is fantastic. It tends to be interestingly, a high proportion of schools was black and Latino students. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, only 38% of the 26,300 public high schools with high proportions of black and Latino students offered calculus in 2015, 2016 in suburban schools. They do offer it. Uh, similar problems with chemistry and yeah, physics. Yeah, and that's why school choice has been such a hot topic here in the state of California, too. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's great because I think Khan Academy and other online uh, schools, yeah. which which really are open to all, if you have internet, I guess you have to have internet access, but you can go to the library internet. and do yeah. it. Uh, I think it's huge. I think it's huge. Um, so yeah, this this is I I love the idea of of people can still being able to have an opportunity even though sometimes they're um, facing limitations beyond their control. Yep, you know. All right, little break here. More to come. Wonderful panel. We miss you, Jeff. I hope you come back soon. I don't. Indeed. I, I don't know. Uh, I think he's. Let me just check. I, I think believe he's, he's here next week. He's here next you're week. You're coming. Not, a, you're not there. Well, no, well, I will be. I'll be uh, you, coming to you from remote. my mom's basement, as That's all right. good podcasters should. Is Jeff becoming a roaming <laughs> professor mendicant? Is he going to roam the streets yes. and dispense alms, knowledge for alms? Alms for the journalism professor. It's, I mean, i got to say, it seems like a likely progression for him. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> he looks kind of monk-like. I can see him wrapped. ready for it. Rags. Yes. <laughs> Let me tell you about Gutenberg. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine him out there. People will probably think he's Odin. <laughs> <laughs> he needs a staff. I was, I was surprised when I met him in person how tall he is. He's got a you know, he is tall. presence. He is six. Uh oh, something. my camera died. That's all right because uh, you are going to a break. You are now uh, going to break <laughs> and the rainbow colors of Aunt Pruitt. Our show today brought to you by Melissa, the Melissa, yes, the data quality experts for 38 years. 
Melissa has helped companies harness the value of their customer data to drive insight, maintain data quality, to support global intelligence. You know, if you're in a business and you have a list, whether it's suppliers, customers, um, you probably know that data goes bad faster than you'd want. All data goes bad, up to 25% of it per year. And it's so important to have clean, verified data. It helps customers get a smooth, error-free purchase experience. It helps you with your mailings and your outreach. Bad data, that's just bad business. And in fact, costs an average of $9 million each year. Melissa is flexible. It fits into any business model. It'll verify addresses for more than 240 countries. That way, you know only valid billing and shipping addresses enter your system. And Melissa's inner, we talk a lot about their USPS capabilities, but they have international address validation too, which clears, cleans, and corrects street addresses everywhere in the world, in every language, Chinese, Japanese, Cyrillic. Melissa's global address verification works with it all. And addresses automatically transliterate from one system to another. So there's no loss of data. Focus your spending where it matters the most. Melissa offers free trials. In fact, I'll tell you how to do that in a second. Sample codes, flexible pricing with a guarantee for ROI and unlimited technical support to customers all over the world. There's one way you can try Melissa right now with their free Melissa Lookups app. It's on Google Play or on the Apple uh, iOS store. No sign-up required. You can use it to validate an address and a personal identity in the U.S. or Canada. Try it on your own information. See how well it works. You can check global phone numbers to find caller, even carrier, and geographic information. You can check global IP address information and lots more. Uh, once you're signed up with Melissa, it's easy to integrate their other services. For instance, identity verification. That's becoming more and more important for companies to increase compliance and reduce fraud, improve the experience, the onboarding experience. Melissa Enrich, another tool. Yeah, they have many, which will help you gain insight into who and where your customers are. Melissa specializes in global intelligence solutions. And you can trust your data safe with Melissa. They undergo independent third-party security audits on a regular basis. They're SOC 2 compliant, HIPAA compliant, GDPR compliant. Your data is in the best hands. On-prem, through an API, a secure FTP server, however you want it, that's how Melissa can give it to you. Make it, They have SaaS solutions as well. Make sure your customer contact data is up to date. Get started today with 1,000 records cleaned for free melissa.com slash twit m-e-l-i-s-s-a melissa.com slash twit we thank them so much for their support of uh, this week in google you support us too if you use that address melissa.com slash twit aw nft hype is fading aw i hope you didn't get stuck with a bored ape uh, I got a folder full of JPEGs. What am I going to do with them? <laughs> They're worth absolutely nothing. Uh, the story from uh, Bloomberg, monthly trading volume for NFTs plummeted between January of 2022 and July of this year, 81%. NFT sales figures monthly have dropped 61%. Floor prices for blue chip NFTs like the Board sure. 8 Yacht Club and CryptoPunks at more than two-year lows. 
Lorenzo Melendez, president of Pudgy Penguins, says, <laughs> Yeah, when you look at the charts, everything's down. <laughs> penguins is practically chickens. It's chickens. You're seeing just a lot of capitulation. We don't know what to do or where to go. So just pat yourself on the back if you didn't buy an NFT. Oh, my God. Now, Ant, I know you did NFTs, but I think that that is a little bit different. You did it, not it, sell them. It is totally different. It wasn't about I, a get-rich-quick scheme. It was about no. supporting artists, right? Support artists, allow artists to continue to to earn money one way or another for their creations. It wasn't about collector's items. It wasn't about investments and none of that. It was just if an artist has an NFT out there and you want to support that artist buy it if you wanted to if an artist had a print out there antproof.com slash prints and you wanted to support that artist buy the print it's the same daggum thing in my eyes it wasn't about investments and stuff yeah and that was really where the problem lay was people it was like beanie babies who said you know right. these are gonna be your this this digital version of a bored monkey it's gonna be worth millions uh down the road Investors aren't the only ones, according to Bloomberg, suffering. NFT marketplace Recur, which is backed by billionaire Steve Cohen and is known for its Hello Kitty NFT. Who could forget that? <laughs> Said it's winding down due to, quote, unforeseen challenges and shifts in the business landscape. <laughs> Mark Cuban-backed NFT social media platform Nifty's. Get it? NFT? Nifties. Oh, gosh. They had oh, done gosh. Looney Tunes-themed NFTs, also closing down, saying, <laughs> citing investment opportunities that, quote, didn't pan out. Oh, really? I'm sorry. I'm suffering a little schadenfreude here. Uh, <laughs> survive. I, to I told you. I told you. Surviving platforms and projects aren't faring well either. Leading NFT marketplace Blur has seen its sales volume measured in Ether drops 96% between a late June peak and early August. Um, OpenSea decided to make royalties paid on secondary sales optional. Now, that's a big deal because oh, oh, yeah, one, one of the promises here was you buy it and then or you make it rather and then you sell it. And then when it gets sold on again and again, you get royalties each time. Right. Now they're right. saying, well, never mind. <laughs> uh, I, I love the idea of being able to sell like a digital original that would have something as an artist. It's a, as you say, to support artists and yeah. to uh, give artists other, it's a digital transition, uh, particularly as shipping has become super expensive outside the, to outside the US uh it's meant that artists used to have an international uh you know market they lost that in the last few years i mean shipping is so insane so i thought at one point i was like well maybe nfts like ants said maybe nfts will be another way to support artists give them a future revenue stream let them own their work even if the underlying technology seemed to me ridiculous maybe it was a way to order you know to own a digital, you know, original or digital print and just the whole thing. Just the, I mean, you the know, the, networks the, are being shut down. You can't even access. Your yeah. Stuff I mean, if you bought things, OpenSea was pretty much the place everybody ended up going through. If, if, it, yeah. if OpenSea delisted you. Yeah. You were done. You're dead. Yeah. 
You can still go to Web3 is going just great and watch. I mean, the one place there's a lot of action with <laughs> NFTs is all the rug pulls and other problems. You could just keep going to Web3. Yeah. The Molly uh, White site is, uh, boy, I thought, you know, every time I think crypto and NFTs or blockchain or anything is is ebbing, I just look at my feed for that site. I'm like, man, every day there's some millions or tens of millions of dollars seem to get stolen, some kind of crack or hack. So there's constant. still apparently plenty of money out there to steal. It's constant. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So I do think there might be some value in the long run. NFTs might not go away forever because it's a good way to prove provenance. Digital ticketing, right? That has to be digital ticketing. Or digital tickets. You're right. Yeah. Digital um, tickets yeah. great. I mean, the always question is, do you need a blockchain when you could have a serial number? Or it, it's it's the decentralization aspect and what I think And that's what ends up costing of, because of gas fees with Ethereum yeah. and other places. But it's also the idea is that you don't hold the proof that a thing is unique, somebody else does. Right. A blockchain provides uniqueness. But you know, I mean, not that Ethereum has gone anywhere, but all the projects built on top of these other efforts, they don't seem to have lasting power. So what happens if you, I don't know, there's the, you needed technology built on top of it and it, it didn't prove to be worthwhile enough. I think it's easier just to, to sell, <laughs> to sell stuff that's serialized and one organization is responsible for each serialization of it. I don't know. Well, speaking I of get, crypto, I get everybody wanting to be decentralized from the fiat stuff. I get that, but, but it I turned don't know out all, we're there yet. Turned out to all be centralized. Turned out that there's right. a lot of choke points because of the exchanges, which is what folks had worried would happen, and then it happened. But I, I just keep getting, I'm amazed. I think there's still hundreds of billions of, or not hundreds of billions, must be hundreds of billions of dollars in this still, right? There's oh, just sure. a lot of money still but that's part floating of the problem around in potential is, value. Is people are holding this board ape, hoping they're going to make money on it, and they're underwater. Yeah, they yeah, they spent a hundred thousand dollars on it. It's worth twenty now, so they're it's not gone away, but they're underwater. I was done with it when I saw that stuff like Board Ape was worth gazillions oh, yeah. of dollars, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this this is crap, you know. And and yeah, that can sound like sour grapes coming from a creator, but at the same time, like really a, a, a sketch of. An ape with a cigarette in its mouth. Uh, it's, yeah, that's, it's, it's cool. It's nicely put together or what have you, but is it really worth millions of dollars? It's never about the actual work, Ant. It's, a, it's speculation. It's never Benito, about the actual right? work. It's about, yeah. I'm going to make yeah. money on it, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. It's a, it, you know, it's a pixelated picture of a monkey or a punk. Oh, the pixelated or an owl. Stuff. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's just not high quality, but it doesn't, that's, is that what you're saying, Benito, that it's really about? Yeah, it's not about the work. It's, it's about, about what you're like, going to make on it. Or like who made the work even. Right. Like it could be the person who made it. Well, that's the irony of this. The artist who made the Bored Apes or the CryptoPunks is just some anonymous artist who got paid a flat fee. That's not who's making the money on it. It's Yuga right. Labs that's making the money on it. Um, oh, gosh. It's the modern uh It's Beanie Schuster, Babies, right? It's so. Beanie Babies. Yeah. People, but bought, Beanie Babies at least were fun. You know, at least you know yeah, you my can play kids, with the Beanie Baby. My, pig, my kids loved the Beanie Babies, but a lot of people bought them and kept them in the box sealed. Sure did because it was an investment. They weren't buying it because it was a fun toy. They were buying it because they were going to make money on it. Speculation, bad idea. Make money the old-fashioned way at the casino. There um, you go, craps table <laughs> using a print using a printing press using a printing press. I bet you flongs would come in handy there. I got a, yeah, just, 
Do you have a hundred dollar flong in your basement? I wish, I wish I've got no. I've got no uh, federal flong. No federal no flong. No crimes committed. Okay. Federal. No. Hey. No. I don't want to. Speaking of crypto, it turns. So you know, this story's been uh, slow brewing for a long time. LastPass, longtime sponsor here at Twit, no longer, but a longtime sponsor. Uh, some m- many months after they uh, stopped their sponsorship, uh, we learned that they had been hacked. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was slowly dribbled out that uh, first, oh, yeah, somebody's compromised our dev system. But don't worry, your passwords are safe. And then a few months later, oh, hmm, turned out when they got into the dev system, they got into the S3 backups of the vaults. They downloaded all the vaults. So now we've been waiting for the other shoe to drop because those vaults were encrypted. Some of them better than others. We've learned, and Steve's talked about this on security now, that some of those vaults were uh, you know, protected by a, a single iteration of the key derivative function, which is not super secure, uh, unless you had a really good password. But as you know, most people don't have super most good Most people don't. Yeah. So we've been waiting. And I've always said, well, we'll know if... This is a problem if we start seeing yeah. hacks. Yeah. They say now, this is from Krebs on Security, Brian Krebs reporting. Yeah. We're seeing hacks. Uh, Taylor Monahan, lean product manager of MetaMask, which is a cryptocurrency wallet for Ethereum. Uh, he and other researchers have identified uh, what they say is a reliable set of clues connecting recent cryptocurrency thefts more than 150 people robbed of collectively more than 35 million worth of crypto. What do they all have in common? They use LastPass. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Taylor says uh, pronouns she. Monahan says virtually all the victims she'd assisted were longtime cryptocurrency investors, which meant they were security minded and sophisticated. Importantly, none appeared to have suffered the sort of attacks that typically preface a high dollar crypto heist such as the compromise of one's email and or mobile phone accounts. This is Brian Krebs writing. Uh, Monahan wrote, the victim, this is in, uh, on her Twitter, the victim profile remains the most striking thing. They truly all are reasonably secure. They're also deeply integrated into this ecosystem. Employees of reputable crypto orgs, VCs, people who build DeFi protocols, deploy contracts, run full nodes and have ENS names. I mean, these are... You know, sophisticated people. The diversity of key types drained is remarkable. The 12 and 24 word seeds generated via all types of hardware and software wallets. Ethereum presale wallet, JSONs, wallet.dats. That's what I've got. Private keys generated via Mu and others. However, (laughs) uh, it looks like nearly every victim had used LastPass to store their seed phrase which is the private key needed to unlock their cryptocurrency investments. Now, in fact, I have a wallet and I forgot the password. And the reason I don't know how to get into my wallet is I did not put it in LastPass. Oh, no. (laughs) So so was I the idiot or? (laughs) It's four one for Leo. I I love Brian Brian Krebs. I've known him for, uh, gosh, over 20 years. And I started reading this and I was like, maybe this is a reach. Gosh, I don't know. And then, but I'm like, that's unlikely. And boy, the people he's quoting are great. And the, and I was like, but this doesn't. And I got to the part which I'd forgotten, which was LastPass never upgraded their sort of security mixing over time. So if you the PBK DF two uh, did yeah, not if have you'd sufficient. Had a, 
yeah. short password and not enough iterations, not yeah. enough uh, iterations of the that routine, uh, then and they didn't make you change it. This is a problem. This has been a problem in, in some password breaches. Seems to have abated is that uh, sites used to use um, simple shot one hashing, which is right. now considered an outdated algorithm. But it's also you could have a short password, have it just SHA one and ha- uh, uh, ha- uh, hashed, and it was easy for crackers to make up what are called rainbow tables. You know, I'm sure you and and um, uh, Steve talk about this, but you know, it's it was easy to have pre-computed tables to crack common passwords. But then sites got smarter. They started using longer hashes. They started forcing security updates. They notify people. They push out password requirement update notices. They started using salting, which meant that every password, even when hashed, was different. Like all these great things. But LastPass, for some reason, never said, hey, you haven't changed this since whatever. It is no longer secure. You need to do something. It would have been trivial because they don't know your password, but they Mm -hmm. do know your, excuse me, they do know when you last made a change. They have some metadata about it and it's disclosed. One password, as I recall, because I remember a report came out several years ago that looked into the iteration and the algorithms being used and one password wasn't perfect, but it was kind of in the top of the heap. LastPass wasn't bad, but one password since then dramatically increased as did LastPass security. And so I think even if my LastPass storage vault from 15 years ago were uncovered, I don't think it's crackable today, but a LastPass one from several years ago without being updated uh, is ostensibly has the chance to be. Yeah. With uh, Steve uh, reported on this some months ago that Mm -hmm. uh, looking at a lot of these vaults, people would look at, there was, there were tools you could use to analyze your vault Many of, in, in the early days, LastPass used PBKDF2 with one with one iteration. Say that is, five times. Which is very weak. Which <laughs> is very weak. That's the, no. that's the key derivative function, which hashes. So you have a password. You can read it. Monkey123. And then you run it through the PBKDF2. It's now hashed. The more times you run it through, the more difficult mm-hmm. it is to brute force. And because processors have gotten faster and faster... Uh, the recommended number of iterations from uh, OS and others is been getting higher and higher. In the early days, like five, six years ago, it was one iteration. And uh, many, it turns out, people who had maybe upgraded to more, I eventually with LastPass went to 2 million iterations, which was the max. Sure, why not? Yeah. Uh, well, why not? Because it does slow it down, but it uh, on but a modern yeah, every, machine, every, it, it doesn't yeah, show it down like, appreciably. Yeah, so, I remember, yeah. I'm sorry. I remember when one password they increased one of their iterations, and I was like, "Oh man, it's taking a good two seconds to unlock." Yeah, exactly. And then I upgraded my machine. It's like it's like that. But yeah, it's a serious uh, outdated password so, security that's not being forced to update. Is serious. Uh, for many older LastPass users, the initial default setting for iterations mm-hmm. was anywhere from one to five hundred. By 2013, ten years ago, five thousand became the default. In 2018, 100,100 iterations. Uh, it's currently 600,000. Again, you could go to 2 million. There are other key derivative functions, though. In fact, our sponsor, Bitwarden, supports something called Argon2, which is memory hard and not as not nearly so brute forcible. Probably not brute forcible, in fact, although I'd never say never. So right. we this was the supposition was, all right, somebody, we don't know who, We were thinking maybe it's a nation state, but somebody has this vault. Maybe many, many people have the vault. Maybe they've sold it off. 
what the the next thing they do is start brute forcing it. And the, they're going to get the low-hanging fruit, which is going to be, you know, some, you know, elderly guy in Muncie whose password is monkey123. And it was one iteration, but there's nothing they're getting at, right? They got his New York mm -hmm. Times account. So they keep going. And it's ex and it was, I was expecting this would be a process that would happen slowly over time. And in fact, that's what it looks like. Perhaps they've been working on these crypto password vaults where there really is money for a long time, but it's just taken them that long to brute force it. Here we are almost a year later. It does look like now, and $35 million, somebody is, it looks like, again, there's no conclusive proof, but somebody is getting into these last pass vaults and, um, uh, it, and they're going where the money is. They're going after people whose money, you know, that's why we're only now hearing about it, I think. So, I probably wanted the, the half a percent of folks that are still using LastPass. And I feel fine about still using LastPass. I think it's fine it to use it down. Yeah. I thought about it and said, you know what? Um, they're... Their noses and faces in the mud right now, and they're quite embarrassed. I've got a hunch they're going to get their crap together, go about this the right way, and um, really tighten things up. Plus, I'm also going to be diligent about managing the passwords that are out there right now at the time of knowing this, the news when it broke. I need to go change my passwords regardless of what I think that's probably... There are tools you can go and look at how your passwords if you still have your LastPass vault and see how many iterations were used. There will be a variation depending on when you create those passwords. Some people's older passwords are one PBKDF2 iteration. Uh -huh. So that's worth looking at. Those are the low-hanging fruit. Those I would change immediately. Uh, it, I think if you had a password vault at LastPass during the time of this breach, it'd probably be prudent to assume that at some point your passwords might be cracked and you should probably right. change all of those, especially yeah. the ones and that's for what your I did. Bitcoin. I spent a weekend for, yeah, going through right. that list of that vault and changing it. It stunk going to, it's to no change fun. passwords no, for everything. Yeah. But I feel better now that it's done because it's better protection. Krebs has a really them. good article. He quotes Vladimir Palat, who is the uh, developer behind Adblock Plus and is a security researcher. It's funny. Palat explains all of this iteration stuff and then he, and he points out that the reason this has gotten easier to crack is these GPUs which are really yeah. really fast they can do 4 million guesses a second uh, even if you have a thousand iterations um, <laughs> amazing uh, reached by Krebs on security Palant said he never received a response from LastPass about why the company apparently failed to migrate some number of customers to more secure account settings higher iterations uh, Palant wrote I know exactly as much as everyone else uh, LastPass published some additional information last March. Just finally answered the question about the timeline of their breach, meaning which users are affected. It also made it obvious that business customers are very much at risk here. Federated login services being highly compromised in this breach. Palant said upon logging into his LastPass account a few days ago, he found his master password was still set at 5,000 iterations, which is pretty darn weak. Uh, you know, as I said, I set mine at 2 million. Uh, LastPass was recommending 100,100. I think you sh uh, you sh it's worth exp examining your iterations. You can. There's tools out there if you search for it. Read this article by Brian Krebs. I think it's, it's very complete. And I think the other shoe has dropped. We now are starting to hear 
it's it's not conclusive, but there seems to be strong evidence that uh, somebody has has started to crack keys that were stolen in the last pass breach a year ago. I should point out, I said something a moment ago that wasn't, I just double-checked on one password. If they changed in January of this year, they dramatically increased the iterations from 100,000 to 650,000. You do have to change your password, although you can keep it the same. You just have to run an operation uh, to upgrade to the new one. But one password's trick, which they started years ago, is they don't have, uh, so, you know, uh, Apple and, num- and some other companies uh, and some and many Android models now have a uh, secure enclave or another kind of, uh, um, well, what's Microsoft's from the trusted uh, identity module, something like that, so that there's a local uh, device encryption that's mixed with other information so that you have to have the local device plus a password. So even cracking the password doesn't help. One password did a version of this where they create a secret key on every device in which you install one password. So it's all mixed. So even if you crack the one password vault password, you still can't decrypt the one password vault. So the password should be strong, but there's this other element that's a device-based encryption element. But if you want to increase, which now that I read this, I'm like, oh, I need to do this. If you want to get your password up to the maximum protection, you just have to uh, essentially change it even back to itself, and they'll regenerate the key and uh, and get you up to the latest iteration. Yeah, Bitwarden has a uh, actual setting that you can regenerate the uh, Oh, you just hit a the key. button in it. Yeah. Does it? Yeah. yeah. It's good. Uh, read the... So OWASP, which I have to look up because it stands for the open worldwide application security project <laughs> uh, but it is a trusted uh, resource uh, steve's referred to many times has a password storage cheat sheet uh, which i would recommend we'll put in a link in the show notes that you should read about hashes they say do use argon 2 uh, and they have a recommendation for uh, settings then if Argon 2 is not available, which it isn't on most password managers, it is on Bitwarden, use S-Crypt for legacy systems, use B-Crypt. If, and this is the only reason PBKDF2 survived is because FIPS 140 required it, which is oh. bad. Uh, but if you have to use it because of FIPS 140 compliance, uh, use at least 600,000 iterations or more. This is the current OWASP. Recommendation that number keeps going up as as GPUs get faster and faster, uh, and also considering using I don't I've never heard of this a pepper. We've talked about salting hashes, oh, but then consider using <laughs> a pepper salt for and pepper full flavor to provide additional defense in depth. Um, and so there's a lot of information about hashing versus encryption, how attackers crack it. The Brian Krebs oh, article is good. Interesting. Yeah, never came across a pepper before. So you add input. I see you add a secret to a password during hashing as opposed to the salt that's stored alongside it. Right. The pepper is kept separately <laughs> elsewhere, like in a hardware security module. Well, that's clever. Salt and that's, pepper. Yeah, and then the pepper, that's where you get that hardware security, that uh, secure you know, there's enclave. A, the uh, phone companies work with the uh, FTC to develop this, or sorry, the FCC to develop this uh, secure uh, caller ID verification system that's been slowly rolling out onto phones and things. Shaken and, they and stirred, it, right? Shaken and stirred. They worked that's so right. hard yeah. to force those names in there, but salt and pepper, shaken and stirred. Come on, you gotta. That's a 
what do they call it? Is it a retronym? When you, when you, yeah. Congress does this all the time. They've got a bill and then they reverse engineer it. So it, it means something. I think shaken and stirred is a retronym. <laughs> you know, the classic one was a uh, physicist, uh, Hans Beta. He wrote a paper and he wanted it to be funny. So he signed up his friend Alpher and Gamo. Oh, so it's no. the Alpher, Beta, Beta Gamo paper. No. Wow. They were not involved. <laughs> I uh, I read joke. George Gamow as a, as a child. He has the best really? physics books. One, two, three, infinity. And uh, he did uh, something called uh, oh, Mr. Sorry. Yeah, I think it's pronounced. I don't know. You know, I never knew how it's pronounced. Probably. I, I'm guessing Gamow. Uh, he did one about Mr. Tompkins in a 2D world. Really, uh, it was a brilliant physicist, uh, very involved in uh, quantum physics, but wrote some of the best books on uh, oh, physics great. for the uh, for the uh, people like me. The lay oh, person. Yeah, one, two, three, That's infinity. I was just repeating Fantastic. A, a bad joke, and there you go. And there's yeah. actual meaning There's an actual Gamov <laughs> to go with the alpha Gamow. and the beta. Alpha, alpha beta, <laughs> wow. beta, Gamov. I read this to my daughter when she was like eight. I'm sure she understood none of it. But she, she loved Mr. Tompkins. She thought that was fantastic because it was about a guy living in a 2D world, and it was a way of uh, learning oh, about like, dimensions and like stuff. Flat Stanley. Yeah, flat. It was kind of Flat better, Stanley before before there was Flat Stanley. It looks like uh, Mr. Tompkins. B- both of these books are so old that they're really not in print. But uh, Dover and uh, who's this? That's publishing Canto or public re- reprinting these. Mr. Tompkins. Oh, that's really sweet. What yeah, a lovely thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have fond memories of sixty uh, years old at least. Uh, but Abby loved them. Uh, let's see here. Where are we stand time-wise? All right, we can do, I think let's do a change log. Change log. We have so many stories log. we haven't gotten to yet. Here, I'll just cover some of the, some of the, some of the headlines. Lightning the round. Google change It's log. a lightning round. Google is updating the Android brand. Did you see the new Android logo for Android uh, 14? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Miss Benito. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Put them. Uh, it's a 3D logo, The uh, I guess, to help connect Android to Google. I don't know. It's modernized. Sure. This modernized logo. There you go. Here's a video just for your delicate. Look, I got to put some Google in here. Nobody's going to buy it. Uh, that it's called This Week <laughs> in Google. There you go. There's your Google. You're happy? You happy now? Android 14, it looks like. Michelle Rahman is great. Michelle was a regular on All About Android. Yeah. And is really, uh, he gets the scoops. He had a couple of big scoops. One, and he's reporting this, I haven't seen confirmation yet, but he says he's hearing that the source code release of Android 14 has been delayed until the release of the new Pixel phone, which will be October 4th. And there's some, he has some concern because OEMs thought that Android 14 would come out yesterday, that maybe there's an issue. OEMs are now being told that vulnerabilities detailed in the Android 14 security release notes won't be published till October 4th. So maybe that's why it's being held off. So if you were waiting for Android 14, your wait continues for yet another month. Google keeps, <laughs> Michelle's got this story too, keeps... <laughs> leaking out information about the Pixel. There's not going to be anything we don't know about the Pixel 8 by the time uh, <laughs> the time this is done. 
they it's so stupid. They, they're doing everything they can to try to be relevant in this space. Is, when, you think they're doing you know, it on purpose? So hard. I mean, they keep putting out these uh, these um, accidents, uh, images, and so forth, unintentional revelations. Uh, Google le- leaked. Here's the leak: the Pixel Eight Pro. A full 360-degree view of the phone, confirming the colors. Ready for the colors? Licorice. Black. Porcelain. Gray. Sky. Blue. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There is a weird yellow uh, dot on the back of it. You see it right there? Some people thought maybe that's the, the NFC target. It says temperature sensor, but I don't know if it's pointing to that dot or not. Hold it up to your forehead. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Sick. Hold it up to your forehead and somebody punch you in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what that is? Bonk. Put it right (laughs) there. That old joke. Put it right there. Does that have like seven cameras in the back of that, though? It does have a lot of, well, I think a lot of sensors. I don't have that. What is that? Tryptophobia? I don't have that. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. Boy, you count fast. I could tell you're a true Jeopardy champion. Trypophobia. Yes. I'm sorry. I do not have trypophobia. Trypophobia is the fear of seven? Fear of holes. Things with holes in them. It's a, I what? think it's a neurological thing because it's un, people will get queasy. They'll feel ill. Like they can look at Swiss cheese or a grater or yeah, a bunch I've of camera that. lenses. It's, it's uncontrollable. And it's not like, you know, oh, I was, uh, my, my mother was, people feel that way too, right? My Some mother was patterns. scared by, yeah, by Swiss cheese as a child. It's just, no, it's, uh, so John, you're saying there's a subreddit devoted to the fear of holes. Oh my God. It's a subreddit for everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally. Is it called? What is it? Trypophobe? T-R-Y-P-O. Trypophobia. Disgust or fear of a pattern of holes. There's a wonderful British comedian, Bridget Christie, who appears uh, regularly on the QI uh, sort of fun information show in the UK. And every time she's on now, she mentioned she had it. And they torture her, maybe unintentionally, but they're always like, they're showing something on screen when she's on it. It's like lots of, it's a pattern. And she's like, I can't, you know, I can't look at that. And it's giant because they have giant screens behind both of the. So it's holes and patterns. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's usually like. Hearing patterns was was a neurological issue for some people it's like you look um, at um you look at like a, a hornet nest or i mean literally swiss cheese or, or it's not it funny tomatoes yeah so it's, disgusting I mean, it's <laughs> it's just that's uh, really interesting a, yeah maybe your mom was scared by a swiss cheese piece of swiss cheese i don't know frightened by a swiss person. it's just one of those things. the brain is a really weird thing we're trained to recognize patterns and sometimes they trigger bad responses my side note my dog biscuit was uh, sick a couple weekends ago. It wasn't really sick. He definitely had an uh, an allergic reaction, mm. so it gave him hives. Oh. And so you have this little white dog walking around, and he had these weird hives on his on his back and oh on his gosh. face. And my son couldn't look at him. Every time my son saw him, my son would just scratch and just uncontrollably. Oh, it, wow. it, it really affected him. And my sister in law, she's the same way. There's they see patterns a certain way, and it. It really freaks them out, and it's tell them it's a sign of intelligence. Clearly, oh uh, gosh, if, if I believe that with my sister in law, I'm still worried about that with the hard head, though. I uh, used to have uh, Nest cameras all over, and I have a Hello Doorbell, and I used to pay for the Nest Aware 
subscription. And it wasn't mm -hmm. at the time; it didn't seem too expensive because after your first couple of cameras, it was you know it was all included. Whoa! Get ready, stand back. They are going to raise the price of Nest Aware big time. It's currently eight dollars a month or eighty dollars annually. Excuse me. It was six dollars and sixty dollars. Uh, it is going fifteen dollars mm. now. One hundred fifty. Mm. It's going up. It's going up. Mm. Uh, the new Nest Aware cost will be. Wait a minute. Wait, I got confused. Yeah, you, you had it right. Did the, I have it right? The eight. The eight is the increase. Oh, it's it's it, okay. Monthly or yearly subscription. $8 a month, previously $6. Okay. Yep. But the Nest Aware Plus, $15 a month. That's big. Yeah. Yeah. It was 12 I think I have the $12 a month one. So I'm seeing a lot of people saying, is there anything we can do and like get rid of these cameras? Right. Um, but I think everybody's, because what's happening with Nest is they're recording it, storing it, and you can go look at it after the fact. And it's been useful when... Uh, when our newspaper delivery uh, lady ran over our mailbox, I had video. Oh. I had oh, video yeah. of it. We were in Europe, and I could look and say, "Oh yeah, I see who did that." Uh, she was she was nice. She said, "I'll pay for." it. I said, "No, no, no, not necessary." Uh, we were going to. We got you the camera, but nice. I do have video in case you want well, to see. <laughs> we, somebody stole my Tevas off my porch. Or who an would want used Tevas? I. This is the Those most graphic crime that's ever right? happened. Yeah. Yeah, they've stole a, a, a neat sheet, you know, like a blanket you sit on a park. And Tevas, there are tons of other stuff on our porch, and our camera didn't catch it because I don't, they, we can't use infrared mode because we got it inside. So, I, or it could have been an animal, it could have been a raccoon, but it was the weirdest thing. Like I have, I've done all, I like, I've reviewed all the camera footage, but like nobody was caught. And I'm like, so you know, I need to get an infrared outdoor <sighs> camera now, clearly, to find out who stole my Tevas. I cried when I saw a man who had no Tevas. Until I saw a man who had no feet. <laughs> ancient Chinese proverb. Uh, Google, I don't know. It's, it was stuck in my brain somewhere. I don't think I can use it on Jeopardy, but it's there. It's stuck in there. Google Chrome pushes browser history-based ad targeting. This is topics. But here's the deal. It's not just, in, we've talked about this on this show. We've talked about it with uh, Steve Gibson. Google, as you know, is really trying to figure out some way that it can appease advertisers, give them information about you without annoying you so much that you use an ad blocker and then all bets are off. So Topics is their latest thing, part of their privacy sandbox project. Uh, the EFF and Mozilla and others are saying we still don't like Topics. Uh, Steve likes it saying, well, it's, you know, it's it's the best of, you know, it's the best of all evils. But get ready because it's not just in your browser. Topics are now coming to apps on the Android store. So you can turn it off easily in Chrome. Well, not that easily, but you can dig around. And if you search the uh, Internet, you'll find ways to do it. But now it looks like they're going to also support Topics in the uh, Google Play Store for apps, which means so you, you're using an app. It's got an ad. The app can query other apps on your phone, query your phone about what apps you have to figure out what your interests are to show you a related ad. Does that bother you? Mm, yeah, I don't want it. I don't need that kind of cross communication between apps. 
Yeah, I feel like they shouldn't be talking to each other. They should. Right. They should, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, this coming soon to an most Android. people are not going to care though. You know. Well, most people aren't even going to know. You're only going to know if you mm-hmm. listen to shows like this or Security Now. Right. So it's coming to Chrome. It's in Chromium. Uh, Brave, Vivaldi, and Opera, three browsers based in Chromium, have all said we're not going to do topics. Don't worry. Uh, I'm sure Firefox is not doing topics. Uh, that's my preferred browser. But uh, if it's Microsoft has not yet said whether they're going to put topics in Edge, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did. So something to be aware of. And this is the the least thing Google could do for you workspace customers. There, you now can lock files <laughs> so that oh, nobody Mr. can Jarvis. change them. It's the literally the least thing they could do for to say, hey, we have a new feature. <laughs> when the file is locked, no one with any level of access can make edits, comments, or suggestions. It's read only until you unlock it. Woohoo! Sure. And that's <laughs> big news. <laughs> big news. The Google changed. Big news. All right. I uh, I think it's time to uh, get your picks of the week in just a moment, if you don't mind. So prepare those, if you will. Jeff Jarvis will be back next week, as will Kathy Gellis filling in. You know, as you know, we've got a, a gaping hole in our hearts. Stacey Higginbotham has left the show. She's left her other podcast, too, but to focus full-time on her work, uh, her advocacy work for Consumer Reports, which is fantastic. We're very proud of her. Yeah. But, Ant, there's good news. Stacy is going to continue to do the book club. That's right. Ah. That's right. Still going to be doing the book club for our wonderful club TWIT members. We met last week and discussed um, uh, Ann Leckie's translation state. Had a very good time on that. And now we're in the middle of voting on our next book, which is probably going to be a John Scalzi book. Oh, oh. how fun. Well, that Richards? ties. <laughs> Won't be red shirts. It's looking like um, Kaiju Preservation Society, I believe is how you pronounce it. Oh, okay. Yeah. How cool. But the voting's still going on, right? If you're a member of Club Twitter, you can still oh, go and vote. Okay. Yeah, go vote now. Uh, we we seem have to have a leader. 48 now, hours. It's not a full coincidence that Scalzi will be on. You're going to interview him on Thursday, October 5th in a fireside oh, chat fun. for our club yes, members. Sir. Yes, sir. How'd you get that? You are. guy. All I can say is, Mr. Laporte, I just ask. You're good. <laughs> so he gets Hugh Howie, who is the creator of Wool, which is the uh, source material Silo for Silo on Apple TV+. Great. N- tomorrow, Hugh, who got, by the way, and you got to ask him about this, he got married at, at Burning Man. See, I don't know if he's if that was a wedding. I thought he was already married. Oh, and he well, just, then his, and his wife was dressed right. up as a bride. Right. I don't know. I thought he was already married. Well, ask him. We he can was find at now because it's on Twitter. It's on public space, so we can ask him about. Yeah, it he was. He was. He was at Burning Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here in Reddit. It says Hugh Howie getting married in Burning Man was not on my 2023 bingo card, <laughs> but I am. This looks like he got married. And in fact, I think the tweet was. Oh, the plastic. They say rain on your wedding day is good luck. They also say it has never rained in the playa (laughs) like this before. Okay. Pretty sure it was my fault for being the luckiest man in the world. Well, you know what? You can verify that tomorrow, 2 p.m., Hugh Howie and together in conversation with Daniel Mm -hmm. Suarez, my good friend, who's the author of 
Freedom and Demon and Kill Zone and Freedom T M. Oh, yeah. so many great books. Uh, that should be fun. Two of our best science fiction authors. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. When when I spoke with Mister Howie. Uh, in that conversation, he alluded to having other authors check out his some of his work before you sent it for publishing or what have you. And I said, well, well who in particular? And, and he was like, Yo, well, one was Daniel Suarez. I'm like, really? We love Daniel Suarez. We got to get you two in the room together and sit down and have a chat. And he was like, yeah, let's do that. And Fantastic. Again, just ask. <laughs> Very nice. And ask him about his bride because she's wearing plastic bags on her feet. You know, I <laughs> was a very mud. good strategy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because President Biden was briefed on the crisis at Burning Man. All the news. There was so much schadenfreude, so much gleeful pleasure in the misfortune of others. At the poor burners stuck in the mud. And the burners are saying, what are you talking about? It always yeah, rains at the fine. playa. We were going to stay till Tuesday anyway. They're coming home now. Everything's fine. This is what Burning Man's all about. Right. Look, everybody got everything they wanted. The, the burners didn't care. And everybody got free shot and fight. They didn't have to yeah. pay for it. Free so, shot and fight. everybody <laughs> Free shot and fight. Yeah, it was like people were acting like... It was the end of the world. And I believed it at first. I thought, oh, my God, this is terrible. Because we know well, so many people who yeah. were there, including Cory Doctorow. And he had brought Rebecca Giblin, his co-author for uh, yeah. Choke Point Capitalism, for the first time. And I thought, oh, what a bad experience. No, everybody had a great time. All right. It was just Chris Rock and Diplo who said, <laughs> well, we got to get out of here. a good time walking out. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, I think the, I think the reason, pro it's like 70,000 people in the middle of nowhere. Let's say it had kept raining. And they had the kind of rain that have elsewhere. I think the concern was, do they have to bring in military transport right. to get people out? You know, right. that's probably was the, well, it's a lot of people without any real way to get them in and out. It, you know, it rains volume, all so. the time at Burning Man. It's not unusual this but time of year. Not that much. I yeah, guess. it was a lot. It was muddy. Uh, nobody died because of the rain. I think somebody died, but it wasn't because of the rain. Yeah. It was probably just the brown acid. Well, I think it's any group of 70,000, <laughs> any group of 70,000 people for a week. Yeah, it's like Woodstock. Have. Three kids were born. You know, it's what happens. Anyway, uh, that should be fun. That's tomorrow mm -hmm. for that interview. I cannot be here as it turns out. I'm sorry. I was hoping I could, because, but I will be listening. But I will. I am stuck. So we can have, have you zoom in if we need to. Well, I'm going we to have an appointment. But anyway, that will be good. Lou Maresca, uh, September 28th. As I said, Scalzi, October 5th. If you're not yet a member of Club Twit, I have to ask, why not? Right. Ann is doing a bang-up job uh, in our clubhouse, putting together these like great you. events. <laughs> that you, old farts photo is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> is that AI or just... Yeah, I think that's yeah, Anthony. So, good old, Anthony? Good. Yeah, yeah. all of the images in that's here. Anthony great. Nielsen is going to be part of a fireside chat. He is our AI magician here at Twit. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he came up good. with this uh, illustration. The old farts are farts. Jeff Jarvis, Doc Searles, and myself. Doc Searles? Yeah, but it actually... <laughs> It's a better picture. Yeah, I, I pulled that out of Firefly. Ah. I prompted into Firefly to come up with the old farts art. Oh, you did it. Oh, nice. Yes, I do I do all of the art for for these. Oh, very nice. In Discord. So this is Adobe yeah, Firefly. No life. So no artists yes, were harmed in the making of this image. That's good. No, sir. Uh, just a few egos. You also get... <laughs> just, yeah, mine. You all, which one am I, Ant? <laughs> Which one of the three am well, I? Of course, you're always you're always front and center, Mister. I'm the smiley guy with the big beard. I was thinking of growing a beard till I saw this. 
Now I'm going, maybe not. I don't want to look like Santa Claus. Uh, if you are not yet a member of Club Twit, it is well worth it. $7 a month. You get ad-free versions of all the shows. No ad tracking. You get access to the Club Twit Discord where a party is going on all the time. And it really is a great place all day long and all night all night long to uh, chat about your favorite nerdy topics, including sci-fi, but a lot of other, you know, food and beverages and so forth. Uh, and, of course, stickers. Uh, all you got to do is go to twit.tv slash club twit. Seven bucks a month, $84 a year. There's family plans if you want uh, everybody in the family to listen in. Uh, there's, there's also single show plans too for folks that don't are, tell people about know, that feel like seven bucks is a little too why much. would you, you only can, four dollars more to get everything <laughs> 299 you get a show that's it that's it so pay four bucks more you get everything one less cup of coffee a month that's it <laughs> uh, and there's no discord with a single show you don't get See? seals of approval See? You don't get access to the special events. You just get the show. But no, That's you know it. what? There are people like, uh, you know, maybe maybe you. Anything helps. I don't know if you've noticed it. Podcasts, it's tough right now. It's really tough right now. Uh, and I don't think it's going to get any better. But we want to keep going. We're one of the oldest, longest running shows uh, in the podcast universe, I, I think, you know, we bring you quality programming on a variety of subjects and we want to keep going. The club is what helps us do that. So thank you in advance. Seven bucks a month. Twit.tv slash club twit. Or if you're a cheapskate, two ninety nine. <laughs> if you just want one show, two ninety nine. There are people don't that do that, don't they? And we also, yes, by the sir. way, we also <laughs> That's the cup of coffee. <laughs> also Oh, Lord. One thing the IRC, which is free, does not have is animated GIFs. Now, that may be a good thing. Depends on your point of view. This but, is true. But we do have many animated GIFs in the uh, club. Mm, I don't know uh, if you want to do a pick of the week, Glenn. I mean, you're you're a guest one. in our house, but uh, if you would. I got one. All right. I got, I got a book. A book? I got a book. It's, uh, oh, it's invisible. Why is it invisible? <laughs> I thought I just turned off... That's hilarious. I just turned off my uh, green screen. Wait a minute. You're not really in your office. I am in my office, but why is it? Uh, oh, I got to do. Hold on one second. Technology. There we <laughs> oh, go. Oh, right your there. office has there. changed. <laughs> Different book. Oh, oh, that's hilarious. You know what it's showing behind me was the fake. This is the real office. But I have a backdrop that looks like. Oh, that's now my head hurts. I was showing you the fake version of. You oh, didn't know you weird. were doing that? No, I didn't know because it's identical. It's a picture of that. That, so I didn't. Know. But wait a minute, sir, turn it on again because it's a little wait different. A it's so a, it's 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 a different oh, color. Oh, that's isn't it? so weird. Right, so this is my. This is real. Which do you prefer? Fake a? Office. Oh look, that's the fake. That's the fake office, and this is the real office. You just shift fake, it, basically. Real. Oh I did God. not know. I was showing you my. God, it's too funny. I'm in Room Raider hell right now. That's so weird. <laughs> Oh, that's so weird. Well, so uh, now we can see the book, Empire of the Empire of the Sum, sum. The Rise and Reign of the Pocket Calculator Ooh. by my pal Keith Houston. Great book from uh, Norton. Uh, not a self-published effort. Keith is 
didn't go the route that Marcin and I did. And he actually had somebody else edit and publish the dang thing. But um, it's great books about the history of the pocket calculator. And unbelievably, there's no uh, book out there that's quite like this. Um, once you hear that, you're like, gosh, somebody should write this. Keith wrote uh, Shady Characters, which is the secret life of punctuation marks. In fact, those books are right behind me. <laughs> that's hysterical. Right there. You can reach and get them. Good. And he also wrote a book called The Book. And the book is about the history of the book. Oh. Really good stuff. So he and I bonded over his uh, book writing. Uh, lovely guy. And um, it's a really, I'm um, about halfway through, well, actually more than that, because he got a lot of, he actually uses EndNotes. Um, terrific, engaging writing, very good. It was very funny because uh, Marcin was already years into working on Shift Happens. And then I heard from Keith, oh, yeah, I'm working on this book about about keyboards i was like oh no we're gonna have two competing books and then it was no pocket calculators and their key and so uh marcin actually uh provided some images for keith of oh, nice things that he dug up too so uh marcin's thanked in the back which is very nice so very complimentary books he's probably mentions i saw this in tokyo uh there's a of course the excellent uh, tokyo museum they had a abacus calculator which i guess was a transitional oh, really? object from probably from the oh. World War II era, but it had an abacus, and then physically part of it was also a pocket calculator. Maybe it was uh, the 60s, but it, I guess calculators really came of age in the 80s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, well, it's a, I learned so much already because the history of the calculator is a history of computation. So, you know, there's calculators that had, uh, like, were hardwired. We had slide rules. When I was in, I am so old that when I, I was in high school. Was. Until I read this, I didn't understand what oh, it was. I have a giant get it. demonstration slide room in the yeah. office. Mr. Jammer B probably has this covered right oh, about. Oh man, <laughs> I have I've a seen them. Yeah, I didn't know what they. I didn't know what they did. Now I understand it. Well, and I remember calculator. when calculators came out, and they were really expensive. In in maybe Slow. sixth or seventh grade, they weren't very good. And then I remember some kid, probably in high school had a Seiko calculator watch that had a little mm -hmm. stylus that you would, because <laughs> it was too small for you to your fingers on the buttons. So a little stylus that would come out and you would tap the watch and do your calculations on the watch. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. I got a picture of myself from college wearing my fancy, doing a pose with my fancy Casio. Oh, you had watch. one of those. Oh. Yeah, 1986. I don't remember my first calculator. I, I, you know, I remember, I think I probably didn't have one because at first they were so expensive. And then, of course, by the time my kids were in high school and probably your kids too, the hardheads, the, uh, you had to buy a calculator. I mean, that was going to be, they needed that for graphing a, one. Math, yeah. The, it, Those expensive. Yeah, the it's, TI it graphing never improved. Yeah. Never improved on it. And they have a monopoly and they keep that price locked in. Well, there's a sad story about how TI kept Apple from putting its graphing calculator on the Mac for years because they didn't want to undermine the sales of graphing calculators. They're, you know, they were saying, well, kids will use it to cheat or whatever. But My uh, wife was smart. She went to a pawn shop and bought a used uh, one for my yeah, own kid. Yeah, because every 10th every, every grader had one. <laughs> never a lot of, never a lot used of it again. Did you have to do that, Aunt, for uh, the hardheads? We had, oh, no, did not. But I remember being in high school and having to get that ti-85 or whatever my mom's was like nope not buying that it's too expensive so i had a ti-1795 plus that i had to figure out how to make work and i'm grateful for that 
quite you probably could program that one. Did you make it say boobs when you turn it upside down? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Just try that with, you know, the program PCALC, my friend James Thompson's yeah, uh, long right. running. You, if you type in the numbers and you, in PCALC, it gives an error. It's really cute. If you ah. Dirty things. <laughs> it'll tell you to not do it. Nice. I think the Apple engineer who wrote graphing calculator... Put it, it got he put, did it. He snuck into the company. He you snuck that in. Story? Yes. He wasn't working there, and he managed to, like, work somehow, do it. Like, he got card keyed in for months until it was discovered, and then everybody flipped out, and they wound up paying him something to include it because they were worried. They were worried about, there was some, I can't remember the whole kerfuffle, but in the end, it's an amazing, he basically snuck in for several months to write it on his own time. <laughs> New, go to nucalc.com slash story. The graph, it's it's Ron Evitzer. Uh, he said, I used to be a contractor for Apple working on a secret project, but the computer we were building never saw the light of day. So uh, in August 93, the project was canceled. I was unemployed. Frustrated, I decided to uncancel my small part of the project. I'd been paid to do a job, and I wanted to finish it. My electronic badge still opened Apple's doors. This is 93. So I kept showing up. Apple's engineers knew it. Some of them knew what I was up to. They thought it was cool. Whenever I gave demos, my colleagues said, I wish I'd had that when I was in school. He was doing the graphing calculator. Those working on Apple's project to change the microprocessor and its computer to the PowerPC were especially supportive. They thought it'd be a great demo for the new machine. None of them was able to hire me, however. So I just, such a good story. I just, I just showed I just up. Showing up. It's like I had savings. I just decided. People to... around the Apple campus saw us all the time and assumed we belonged. Few asked who we were or what we were doing. When someone did ask me, I never lied, but relied on the power of corporate apathy. The conversations usually went like this: Do you work here? No. You mean you're a contractor? Uh, actually, no. But then, who's paying you? No one. It's how do you reverse Milton. How do you live? Oh, I live simply. What are you doing here? At that point, I'd give a demo, explain the project had been canceled, but I was staying to finish it anyway. Uh, oh, great. For the power of corporate apathy. Mr. Amp Pruitt, your pick of the week. My pick, I want to give a shout out to member Mr. Joe Esposito. Uh, was part of the photo walk and had some photos that were pretty daggum good oh, did he post him them into the discord here and he asked for some critiques on it and nice. i gave him some critiques and next thing i know i see that he's made a video going through those images based on my critiques and went through and made some different edits and, and enhancements and things like that and it was it was nicely done and it, and it's nice to see that you know what i saw in my head from a criticism standpoint seem to work for him so he does uh, joe's show. really talented photoshop artist and he does uh youtube streams uh for his ozone art foundry and he has the ozone night school and so here he is uh this is petaluma i recognize it here he is mm -hmm. you know what you know that ali <laughs> yeah i know exactly where that is that's cool so he's editing right there, these he's trying to eliminate mr victor <laughs> oh but that was victor oh how funny <laughs> this is cool yeah, it was a good video. I appreciate oh, him Joe, I'm that. glad you. I'm glad you went. Uh, Joe Doodles Photoshop Special. It's the Ozone Nightmare. Uh, everybody should subscribe to Joe's Ozone Nightmare yeah. YouTube video. Go show him some love, yeah. Yeah, he does some great stuff. Really great stuff. 
Um, and uh, lastly, I just want to shout out the boy, even though I hate we lost. We lost oh. 35 to 34. Oh, that um, kills. Oh. oh. But um, I'm so proud of him and his effort. Uh, just five touchdowns in the game. Barely threw the ball because, quite frankly, we couldn't throw the ball. And he ended up with 12 is, is carries. He num- is he number f- uh, four there? Yes. Yes. Yeah, he's playing quarterback. Um, what? what yeah, got, so, whoa, there he goes. There he goes. He might. Holy he cow. will. He is. He goes all the way. That's yeah, just one of them. There was five. Five running touched rushing touchdowns. Five rushing touchdowns. Wait, expl- I'm sorry. Explain that final score though. So what was the? Uh, so he scored all the touchdowns for the he team. All, he got all the yeah, and the other team had what? Points. Four one field goals. Or they, uh, no, they scored. One, they scored oh, two, but. We both both teams missed extra points, and okay, the, right. the defeat was because of the missed extra points. And there's yeah, another. He might be. He will be. He's going all the way. Touchdown! So yeah. Oh, you must be so proud. Sixty-one rushing yards. Two hundred sixty-one yards on twelve carries. Oh my know, god! All of his touchdowns were at least sixty yards. I think. Yeah, it was a hell of a day. A Quite proud great, of him. I just hate we lost. Great. Now. How is the recruiting situation going on? This one right here was funny on. because this is going 80 yards, but he jogs at about 30 yards to go. He says, I got it. Right. There's no one oh, near me. Right. No, no, just going to try the rest of the way. I got it. Oh, my God. He might be. Could he could be. Could not be caught, as they say. Yeah, he's going to be caught. Yeah. So <laughs> at Petaluma work. High, you, oh, man. Yeah, we beat Petaluma the other weekend, and okay. he had a good game against Petaluma. Miss Debbie saw him. Oh, nice. Saw him play in that game. Oh. But he goes to Redwood. Or no, where does he go? Go to Rancho. Rancho, Rancho. that's it. Yeah, yeah. Rancho versus Redwood. One point. Wow. One dang What a point. heartbreaker. Yeah. How's the recruiting thing going, by the way? I guess it's, I mean, still, we'll still start all talk right now. Nobody's saying anything seriously. Just a bunch of sales folks. So <sighs> I'm not going to take anybody seriously if they don't. He's the Nick What's Bosa he? of college football. He's getting Let's right keep- up to the edge. Right up to the edge. Some time. Junior year? This is senior year. This is his senior year. This is his senior year. So, you, know, so you would have liked to have known by now because the college football stuff. Yeah, I, we both wanted to get it, wanted to get it out of the way. But, yeah. you know, yeah. so we're doing our part as far as the applications and stuff. So you're going like to do that. a gap year um, and then uh, and then and go from next year? Well, we'll see. We we have no idea, especially with track season coming, too. That may well, open that's right. up some opportunities. He's a track start, too. What a talent. Brett. We love you, Jacob. Hang in there. Right on. And we love yeah, you, Navy Aunt offered him a... Mandy DeCloud says Navy will take him, and Mandy DeCloud, Navy did offer him a scholarship. I'm going to put that in air quotes. <laughs> um, but if you need a full ride. Know, you need the full you're going ride. to have to serve after that. Oh, so yeah. How many years do you years have to do? And you serve your four years after that. Four so years. And he didn't want to do that. that. Yeah. That. I mean, we're not single. We're not throwing it away. But we know there's an option. Is that, that the Naval Academy? Is that Annapolis? Annapolis, yes. Sir. Wow. So he could be. He could have gone into Annapolis, but he but he just wanted to see what else he had going on. He actually would like to stay over here. Yeah. Just to be honest with you, Maryland's he, nice. He'd like to stay over here in this area. You should. You know. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd want to be in the service right now. You never. You know. You might end no. up going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Maybe well, on the cybersecurity side. That's, that's it. it. He could wear those. Uh, <laughs> BDUs, the uh, the ones with the matrix letters going down. Right. <laughs> hey, thank you, Ant. You're great. I appreciate it. And I'm sorry 
that I made you go home, but thank you for Thanks. being very uh, supportive and generous of that. Oh, good. You know I did it for my ma. I do. Yeah. Totally Next week, that. I will be in Rhode Island. Uh, I'm going out to visit mom. We're moving her into a assisted living facility. She's very excited about that. I am too. She's 90. She needs the support. Uh, and yeah. I wanted to be there for the move, so we're going out. But, it, of course, it's the same day Apple's doing its event on Tuesday. And uh, and then there's Mac Break Weekly. And then, then on Wednesday, there's Twigs. So, in true podcaster fashion, I will be doing the show from Mom's Basement. And I'll probably be doing it in my jammies. I'm just, I'm just saying. Are you going to start uh, each show with, hey, guys? You go, hey, guys! Are you going to be tearing lobster apart as you're sitting there? Oh, and, and lobster roll. Or lobster? You know, my craving every time i go back there yeah. is for clam cakes have you ever had a clam cake i have oh, not had a clam uh, cake i've had some good ones there's dungeness clam over here you've been yeah we i love dungeness crab, clam oh. but there's uh, nothing crab, crab i'm sorry there's nothing oh clam cake clam, clam cake. cake you're talking about crab oh, cake. i heard crab cake clam no and i love crab cake. crab cakes but Clam cakes, basically, it's a fried piece of dough with little bits of clam. <laughs> and I am, I hope, I'm, actually, right. let me see if they're still open after Labor Day, because they do close down for the winter. But One these are the best. Oh, my God, they're so good. They're well, so go. good. And they do have probably the lobster roll. They do. Warm, buttered tail and claw meat, mayo, Old Bay fries. There you go. And I might get Man. the clam cake and chat a combo. Cake. Never heard of it before. Never heard of a clam cake. <laughs> oh Lord, they're, what they're I in like a little... is a clam pizza. You know the, the oh yeah the, yeah 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 Pepe's pizza oh, clam base clam oh, and so garlic good. pizza from Pepe's oh. New Haven. That's it. That's oh, the only way. Uh, maybe I'll go do that. There's a Pepe's in Providence too, but I might have to drive to New Haven. In any event, uh, that's where I will be next week. Glenn Fleischman, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. We always love My to gosh, see pleasure. you. Pleasure to be here. Th sorry for my fake background. I don't know what we I didn't. Noticed. I didn't even notice. <laughs> really confusing. I didn't even notice until you did that um, disappearing book trick. That's hilarious! <laughs> very wow. Very confusing. Very impressive. I'm impressed. Oh. Uh, Glenn dot fun g l e double n dot f u n is the place to go uh, to find out all of the things Glenn does. Don't forget, shift happens. That book is still available. Last few copies. Get it before it ships. Shifthappens.site. A few short weeks. Really? You have to take them to the post office? Really? Oh, my God. No, we've got the. Thank God. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> it is. It is. Just by the way, it is 60,000 pounds of books. Just wow. Yikes. Nice. Yikes. I'm not touching it. I that what a great feeling of accomplishment though when you ship oh those out. God. That's great. Yeah. Martine's even like, How many copies would you like? And I'm like, I don't know how many I could fit in my house. <laughs> it's a big book. Five. It's a big book. All righty. Thank you everybody for being here. We do Twig Wednesday afternoon, two PM Pacific, five PM Eastern. Uh until we go to uh uh standard time, which is uh in November. We will be at 2100 UTC. I know some of you are leaving summertime soon, uh, but we stay on our summertime until after Halloween <laughs> because the candy manufacturers of America ordered it so. <laughs> you think I'm joking. Is that right? Oh, that yeah. Still? No, Obama. No, that's a great one. So 
Remember, they moved the, uh, they tried to, ex- yeah. to save energy. They expanded uh, the daylight saving time mm-hmm. window because yeah. everybody loves it. And they were going to make it like the last weekend in October. And the candy companies said, you're going to ruin a Halloween. So they made it. the. It, it's easy to remember now. It's always the weekend after Halloween. Funny. Spare me. <laughs> Amazing. Got to get that sugar, kids. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. You can get this show. If you're not watching live, by the way, live.twit.tv is a stream. If you're not watching live, you can get the show on demand, twit.tv slash twig. You can watch it on YouTube. There is a YouTube channel for This Week in Google. And probably the best thing is search for Twig or This Week in Google or, or Twit in your favorite podcast player and subscribe to this show. Subscribe to all of our shows. They're all great. And that way you'll always have something you can listen to. You know, you're on your on your way somewhere. Just say, I'm going to hear some Twig. We thank you all so much for being here. And we will see you next time. Me in my mom's basement for This Week in Google. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Hey, I'm Rod Pyle, Editor-in-Chief of Ad Astra Magazine, and each week I join with my co-host to bring you This Week in Space, the latest and greatest news from the final frontier. We talk to NASA chiefs, space scientists, engineers, educators, and artists, and sometimes we just shoot the breeze over what's hot and what's not in space, books, and TV. And we do it all for you, our fellow true believers. So whether you're an armchair adventurer or waiting for your turn to grab a slot in Elon's Mars rocket, join us on This Week in Space and be part of the greatest adventure of all time.